Welcome back, everyone. It, as always, is another week of Let's Get Critical Critical, a movie podcast with A and J. I'm A, I'm Andreas. And I'm J, I'm Jesse. And we are excited for another oh, round. I just smashed my knee into the wall. I don't know if you guys heard that, but. <laughs> That's, a, I'm sorry. I have terrible knees, so I, anytime, and people hurt their knees, I understand. It's awful. Uh, thing, so. um, Andreas, I know that the listeners can't see you, but I just realized, do you, is that a little Christmas decoration in the back of the room there? Yes, I have a little Christmas tree back it's here. It's beautiful. I, it's I, so lovely. <laughs> it, it's just a cute little thing. Uh, most of our Christmas decorations are in the room we spend most of our time in, but I figured, because I'm here in my office space and I'm like, you know, Working from home and I'm pod- potting with you and I stream myself playing video games sometimes. So I always have a little little holiday something something. So I got a little yes. tree. I had a little ghost during Halloween. So oh, you know? I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, um, you just for the listeners, since I don't want you to picture like you know like <laughs> large little tree. We're talking about like a very very small little table plant Christmas yeah, tree. It's it was, adorable. It was one of those five dollar trees that when you walk inside a Target and they're right there at the front. Okay, I'm 99% sure of them that I have that same one. Uh, you, because you, is you it must? a green is it a green and black flannel thing that's that's Yeah, on the that's bottom? the base, yeah. But mine <laughs> has more snow on. Mine has more fake snow on it than yours. So when we were there, there were ones with fake snow and ones without. I got the oh. ones without. This guy, this one, he's a little bendy. He's got a little bend okay. in him and I and I thought that, you know, he'd fit into my misfit family. So I Oh, I wanted, that's so adorable. I wanted him. I was like uh, my partner was like, that one's not straight. And I was like, I know. That's why I want this one. That's very Charlie Brown Christmas of it's you. It's very Charlie Brown Christmas. So that's, I, I got him. I got him hanging out back here. I love it. I love that we also got like basically the same one. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing that we did. That is amazing. There's a lot of options at Target and we gravitated to the same $5 little tree. I know because it's cute. It I mean, I don't know. So I'm sure that lots of our, li- I hope lots of our listeners bought a lot of the little a lot of those little trees. Wow, words are difficult. Guys, we're doing our best today, okay? <laughs> but we're back for another episode that is a part of our a very Netflix Christmas. We hope that you're having fun with the episodes so far. So Jingle Jangle came out last week, and now we've got Klaus this week. Yeah, so I'm very excited um, to talk about Klaus. I think we'll have a good Me time. Too. We had a good time with Jingle Jangle, so... Uh, we're gonna keep this train, train, train moving right on ahead. Um, Heck yeah! But before we do, Jesse, do we have any housekeeping that we want? Nothing other than through? the usual of um, rate, review, subscribe, download. Uh, send us your questions on the social medias. You can send them via tweets, DMs, uh, in the comments of our posts. We would love to hear from you. We're especially focused on Christmas-related or holiday-related questions right now for our 20-question segment, but please feel free to send us others. We've got a good stack building for future episodes when our Christmas season is over. Yeah. And we've heard some of you about our scheduling. So we switched our scheduling in the middle of the year and we made it harder for you guys to keep up with us and send us questions and follow the movies that we're watching. So we, uh, we've we we've gotten some feedback from people. We've, we've chatted with some folks. Uh, and we're going to roll with the schedule as is through the, through the end of the holidays. And then we'll take a little bit of a break. And we'll come back uh, in 2021. And we'll have a little bit of a different schedule set up. That way you guys can keep up with that. And hopefully that will make it easier for everyone to send in questions. 
Um, and we'll have more to talk about that as time goes on. But know that we know and that we're understanding and that makes a lot of sense and we are going to do something about that. Yes, um, we're just gonna yes. yeah we're gonna go through these these next two weeks we've 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 planned ahead a little bit we'll let you know kind of what the plan is going forward so you can stay on top of it too and you know we'll keep you up to date about um all the changes that are happening here on the pod as well absolutely and we will also keep you posted for those of you who didn't listen to our jingle jangle episode but happen to be tuning into this episode we announced last week that our next special special coverage is going to be of the harry potter series so we will keep you posted as to when that first episode covering Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone will be coming out. Yeah. And yeah, then that should be a good time. So get excited for that. Uh, it'll be a riot. Um, I can't wait. Cool. Well, then, Jesse, without further ado, it's time for our, our, our weekly Bachelorette breakdown. So I know. Um, I, I'm a little sad. So I, I noticed something. Well, one, we, we, we now know when The Bachelor is going to air. Which is January seventh or second? Oh, I second. didn't even ca- I didn't even know. Is that they announced it? They showed a preview. I've watched oh. said preview. Uh, it's okay. it's a whole thing. So it's coming quickly, which means that Tasha's season has to end. I think we only uh. got another two or three episodes, or three or four. No, episodes. it yeah. must be okay. It has to end before three or four. January. Three or four makes sense. I think I think the max is three though. I think we have <gasps> this week, yeah, next wait. week, and the week after, because this then that's week, the only way the timing makes next sense. Week and the week after, with yeah, because the bachelor starting a... in the on the seventh of January. Wait, the bachelor's airing on Thursday nights now. It might be the yeah, the seventh. That's crazy. The fourth, I don't know. It's oh, the sing- fourth would be a Monday. Single digit January. Okay, okay. Date wow. that the bachelor will start. I don't know. okay. Well, okay, let's, let's, with that being said, that actually is a perfect segue into my thoughts on this episode. So I have to start by saying that I, my face was hurting from how much I was smiling during this episode. By the time the hour and a half was up, I, my face was like, my cheeks were sore because I just was so happy watching this episode. Um, I, so the reason that I'm saying that what you said is a perfect segue is because I really need Tasha to be happy at the end of this. I need her to be happy. I, I don't care if there's three episodes left as long as she finds the one. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, she is, I just want, you know, even if she doesn't find the one, but if she is, if she is confident and if she feels good that she did the process honestly and that that too just her person wasn't there but that you know she had a good experience and that is fine too but i agree with you i hope that the outcome is happy i hope that it's not the last handful of outcomes i know which have been disasters Um, we can't take that in 2020 i don't think we need them to find love on this show and we we've already we've already had the disaster we've we we're over that i I would like to think i would like to think we're not getting getting to get a bombshell 2.0 uh out here on this so no i know so that's one of my thoughts is that i really really hope that at the end of this she's happy like you said no matter what the outcome is as long as she's happy with it as long as she kind of dictated it then i'm i'm good with that Mm -hmm. um that being said there's also a good handful of guys on this season and i think i said this last week that i really really like and so i'm very i'm already getting very sad for what's inevitably coming like there's going to be at least three guys. Like, there's going to be at least three guys that I like that can't win. I, I, there's four guys in my mind that I really, really love. Yeah. And so, three of them at least will not 
be the one that get the final rose. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to watch them get their hearts broken. Yeah, I have no idea. I agree with you. There's four. There are four guys in my head. Well, there are four guys in my head that are the clear favorites. I think the top four is pretty cemented. I think. So who who do you feel that that would be? Ivan. Yes. Brendan. Yes. Zach. Yes. And Ben. Yes. And those are all the guys that I love. I love them all. Yeah. I, I like I like them all pretty much. I, Zach's the only one that I'm like, I don't know how I feel about you. Um, but we're going to get the one, a, I, get a he's one, the one I like the least. Week. So I think I think we're going to get to know him more. And my big thing is that I just was like what I've gotten of him. He's fine. They have good chemistry. They seem like a good fit. But I just don't. It seems a little performative still. And I'm like, I need, I just, I don't know if I know this person yet. And it feels like with the other three guys, I very clearly know who they are and like what their intentions are and what their goals are with it. Like, and I just don't know yes. if I have that same level of like understanding with Zach. And again, I imagine that we will get to that place. His, everything about him will become much more clear. Yes. Um, with the end um, of this next episode. I agree with that. And he is the one I do feel out of those four. He is the one I feel the least certain about. But for whatever reason, I just, I don't know. I just trust him. I don't yeah. know why, but I just, I trust him. And yeah. I hope he doesn't betray my trust. I, I hope so too. Um, and then Dark Horse is Spencer still. I still think that he, I, I, I just don't know. I just haven't seen anything of him, which is, it can be hit or miss at this point in time. Yeah. Um, but I think everyone else is, I mean, they're going home. No one else matters, really. No one else is having impact. And it's like Noah and Bennett, they're they're gonna get in too much. I don't even know if both of them are gonna make it out of that scuffle. Like Yeah, that yeah, could very that, we much get the two a, on one next week. Yeah, they could very, very likely end in her just being like, You're both being immature, like teenagers, go home. And yes, I would I'd be, be so down for that. that. I would be too. And so And again, it it comes back to what we talked about last week, and I felt the same way this week. Everything that was good about this episode was nothing to do with the drama. Yeah. Nothing about this episode that was enjoyable what that was enjoyable to watch had anything to do with the drama because the drama is so insignificant and stupid compared to the drama that we got earlier on oh, in the show. Oh, 100%. I I totally agree. It, it it this show thrived in the moments that completely ignored the drama. And and yeah. I also think that this episode was weirdly very nice and very touching because I think the pandemic I mean, it forced them into a corner a bit. And so like her date with Ivan, that actually is actually pretty equivocal. Maybe you wouldn't be in someone's house third or fourth time hanging out with someone like that. But if you were, it wouldn't be that crazy. And it's like, oh, you're just like playing a game with each other and like having a couple of drinks and like talking like that is actually pretty, pretty much where they're at in their relationship. So uh, it felt very real. And it felt like they had like a real like just a regular conversation that people would have i mean it was very serious and very intimate conversation but it felt very natural it felt very appropriate for where they were in the phase of the relationship that you would be if you were seeing someone in real life and i was like whoa like this is refreshing this is some real i totally agree i totally agree and i feel like i got so lost in that conversation that there was a brief moment in time where i was like whoa, come back to earth. Like I'm watching the bachelorette. Like I I felt like I was there. I felt like I was sitting there with these two people and just felt so connected to them. And like, I just felt so, um, I just like wanted the world for both of them in those moments. I was just like, man, you guys are both such real people that are just doing the best that you can to navigate this weird dating situation in a pandemic with this, like, 
social injustice as the background, which certainly has a significant impact on both of them, which became Mm -hmm. very obvious in in the episode. And, oh, I just, I was really glad that ABC gave the airtime that they gave to that conversation. Yeah. That was one of the longest conversations that we've ever seen on a, on a date on this show. Yeah, for sure. And they didn't, they didn't cut it. They just gave it to us Rob. I mean, I think they were forced to because you can't, I mean, just the way that that conversation went, you can't cut it. And I also think they probably felt pretty good. But they were like, oh, this happened very organically. That's awesome. We needed to address this somehow. And that is how you do that. You let people kind of sort things out for themselves. Don't like yes. force it down anyone's throat or like force them to address it or whatever. Let it, I was let actually, it happen naturally. And I think that that worked out really well. It did. I was actually worried of the opposite thing. I was worried yeah. that they weren't going to give it any air. To, I thought that yeah. they were just going to kind of gloss over and pretend that this wasn't the background of <laughs> this time in, in life. Yeah. Um. And so it was really great to see that. And I, I really like, I mean, I just, I thought Ivan was just such, is such a wonderful person. And it was so fun to watch him on this episode. I just, yeah. I really like him. Yeah, I really, really like Ivan. I think he, 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 he is my favorite right now. Um, and I, I hope that he wins. Um, I mean, I like, I like, uh, so I really like Brendan. And I think it's really funny that she, doesn't let him talk that she just makes out with him every time they hang out <laughs> like every time she's just like eh, never mind like we're just gonna make out now and like that's cute and fun uh and then i like ben but i think he's trying a little too hard he was my favorite and i'm like ah you're still still a little too try hardy i think you're gonna fall uh it, it, it's rubbing me off a little weird still um ben ben, ben recovered for me this week he, yeah i, I liked what he did i like how he went to her place with the room service i yeah. thought that was cute i liked that <laughs> Also, it's like they're very clearly keeping what's his face around just to mess with him. Uh, the the one guy who went to Chris Harrison's room. Oh, Ed. Yeah, Ed. Like Ed's <laughs> clearly being s- sticking around because they're like, we need someone to like add a little something. <laughs> that conversation that he had like in the bloopers or not bloopers, but like the you know the how they always do like the funny clip at the oh, yeah. end of the episode. I was dying during that. Oh my gosh. It was like, so funny when he was, when he was basically straight up like, yeah, you know, Chris, we don't really like that. You just come into our house without knocking. I was like, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. They probably don't. They're probably hanging out and all of a sudden Chris Harrison's walking and they're like, whoa, was not prepared for this. You would like a little notice before something <laughs> like then, that happened. And then when Ed was like, I should have just walked in here. I was like, you should have, that would have been so funny. <laughs> yeah. That would have been, that uh, would have been good. That been, um, but he didn't know. But anyway, so to yeah. sum to sum this up, I did want to read a. It's not a question from a listener, but we did get a, a comment from a listener. Tasha and Ivan's conversation on The Bachelor was amazing, and we need more of it. Change my mind, and I think the answer to it is that we will not change your mind because we very much agree. Oh that. yeah, no, I agree one hundred percent. I think that that is uh, again, and I and I think not forced it was very organic i think that that's the key to it because one i think i agree with you i thought that they were going to force themselves to not address it at all mm-hmm. or the other thing is that you force yourself to address it and then it feels weird and it feels off but letting it yes. happen organically i think was, was the right call there and and it worked out really well and it was really sweet and really nice conversation and i hope that that encourages contestants in the future to continue to to talk about these things and that, that yes way. And I think it'll be curious. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm very curious to see what will happen moving forward with this show and with this franchise. Now, look, once once COVID is over, which you know that's not 
certainly doesn't seem to be any time on the very near horizon, but assuming that at some point they go back to having the ability to do the show the way they used to, I'll be really interested to see how they navigate that because honestly, there's been some good that's come out of this show from them being forced to not do the extravagant dates. That's what's allowing us to get more content like what we got from Tasha and Ivan because they're not traveling around the world. They're not doing all this crazy stuff. Like the date was actually about their relationship, not about what they were doing and what country they were in. They really didn't do anything. They just hung out and talked and it's like oh what happens when people do that they they talk about things it's great what a shocking spread um i will say though i don't know uh the the season preview for matt i don't know his last name so i'm not i'm not gonna i can't remember i I, yeah i'm not gonna pretend to know at this point um they they so they isolate themselves again but it's at this crazy resort okay like they're on like hot air balloons and driving sports cars and parking lots and uh yeah, all right so seems, i guess they bounced back quickly yeah it seems that they they must i think they just had more time to plan for how yeah. to keep the bubble attack but do crazy stuff i think they they're staying at the resort um and again hopefully the the forced you know location encourages more intimacy um but it seems that the extravagant dates are coming back uh, yeah but I like, like, because I even like, like, a, well, the, like, tough-ass man competition or whatever. The concept conceptually was a little weird. I, I didn't like that. But, like, little things like that, that was actually kind of funny. It was way funnier than some yeah. of the other stupid stuff that they do. I'd much yeah. rather watch that than Naked Dodgeball. Oh, 100%. Any day of the week. Or yeah. the wrestling, that was a dumb day. Wrestling. Oh, I hate day. stuff like that. I hate when they buy into stereotypical gender norms <laughs> yeah. in that way. well... It is The Bachelor, so... I know. <laughs> gotta grit your teeth sometimes and get through it. Uh, I know. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is that we also got another uh, comment from this same listener that says, Joe for The Bachelor, change my mind. Parentheses, but not really. Please don't. I love him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love... Joe's hilarious. Yeah, I, I hope he's never The Bachelor. He might be able to get on Paradise and get away with it. I actually I think, think he would probably be... I was going to say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a little bit too quiet and maybe a little bit too shy to really fully engage with the Bachelor experience, although that could have been the edit, I guess. Like he could have gotten a bad edit, but I think he well, would think be he successful in Paradise. Edit. He looks great in that show. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, he does. I mean, uh, from the sense of like how outgoing he was. That makes like sense. how yeah. how like um like... When you think of The Bachelor, you think of someone who, or The Bachelorette, is someone like Tasha, who's very much like outgoing and very assertive. And he strikes me as a little bit more on the shy and quiet side, which yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that he would be a bad Bachelor, but I think it would make him far more successful on Paradise. Yeah, I Because those kind of guys tend to succeed on Paradise. Mm-hmm. And I think also, once you become The Bachelor, it, it happened with Peter, right? The You lose the allure when you're like, like Peter was, yeah, he was sweet and innocent and a little naive. And then... You get put in the bachelor situation and, and actually that doesn't work very well. That doesn't, he had no idea what he was doing the whole time. Yeah. He was just floundering around hoping for the best. And while that comes across as cute and dainty in most life circumstances and that life circumstance, it, I just don't think it always translates that well. So it's like, let's save, let's save Joe. Let's keep him the idol that he deserves to be. Put yes. him on paradise. Let him find love. Yes. <laughs> yes. I concur. So on that note, That wraps up our Bachelorette recap for this week. We'll be back with more next week. And let's transition to other things that we watched, Andreas. What did you watch this week? What did I watch this week? So again, once again, uh, a little bit of a busier week for me. So I didn't get too much of 
anything, but I have two things I want to talk about. One is something that I've been watching for a while. Might have talked about it on the show before, but I'm not, in t- I don't recall. Um, but I've been, my partner and I have been watching the BuzzFeed Unsolved videos. It's not really a TV show. Okay. It's not really like, it, so it's these like 15 to 20 minute videos um, that BuzzFeed does. And there's three different ones. There's like, um, there's like paranormal ones. And then there's like cold case ones. And then there's like, there's sports conspiracies. And I haven't watched the paranormal or the sports conspiracies as fun as those seem. We've yeah. been watching the cold case ones. Uh, and it's actually really, I mean, it's great content. And again, quick hitters, 15 to 20 minutes. It's these two dudes. They just kind of like walk through like a cold case. And then they talk about the different theories that surround it and give a little bit of insight on like what they think think happened is or whatever uh-huh. um and they're both like really funny and like really personable and like it just seems like two dudes who just started doing this obviously they work for buzzfeed and like they're content creators so a little bit more but it's very relatable and it's really nice just really quick like 20 minute videos and it's on well it's on buzzfeed's like app if you can access it for free there's ads with it um it's on youtube too but i think there's ads on there too but it's also on hulu um oh. and you can go through them and again it's i mean they're just really nice and it's just like we have we're like oh we have like 20 minutes before we have to do something I'm like, oh we'll just watch that or it's like oh we're like trying to go to bed so we don't want to commit to something we just want yeah. to put something on uh we've been watching these and so it's been really nice so if those any of those things sound interesting to you buzzfeed unsolved those dudes are hilarious like and especially as it goes on and they get more comfortable with it it gets really funny um like they did one for the cold case that I just watched that uh, was a little bit different. They this is the only time so far that they've done anything really like this. They instead of doing cold case, they actually went on a treasure hunt. They like found some dude who had a treasure out and about, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna see if we can track it down." Wow, that episode's hilarious. It's so funny and it's super okay. fun. Um, I really want to watch the sports conspiracy. Ones. Yeah, the that sports sounds fascinating. Seems cool. Yeah, so that's the, I think that's the next one that Kelsey and I are gonna are gonna get into after we get through all the true crime ones. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're really fun and uh, and it's a good time. So definitely recommend that for anyone uh, who thinks that that might might tickle their fans. Um, and the other thing I watched this week is I watched a miniseries on Jonestown. The, oh. you know, the cult that they uh-huh. all drank Kool-Aid and killed themselves. Um, so I, I know a little bit about it, but but not enough. I Obviously, I've never, like, watched. I've read some things and seen it in, like, one-hour documentaries or whatever. I watched sure. a four-hour documentary called Jonestown, Terror in the Jungle. Um, and it was produced by, I guess, Sundance is making their own documentaries and stuff now. Um, and one of the producers on it is Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Yeah. So very interesting. Big name people in it. And uh, the miniseries itself isn't that good. I will say this. The when I, It was weird. It was like discombobulated. And like, it's one of those things where it was like, there's almost too much information. And it seemed like they were going to do like an HBO, like 10 episodes. And we're going to do it all. Like we're going to get into the nitty gritty. But then their budget got slashed or something. Uh, <laughs> or like a deadline came up and they're like, well, we just have to get this out. And so it doesn't quite all connect the way that you would want to. And like, um, and there's just a lot of moving parts with something like that, right? I mean, this cult operated for like decades. Uh, and then obviously everything that happened when they relocated to a jungle and a congressperson investigated them and then they killed that congressperson and then they all killed themselves. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things happening, obviously. So it's like they're really trying to get into it. Um, but it was very interesting and I, and I found it very interesting. 
Uh, and and I love things like that. So that was the other yeah. thing I watched. Um, that documentary, it was okay. It could have been better. I imagine that there's better documentaries about Jonestown out there, but uh, it was interesting nonetheless. Uh, and I'm I'm always interested in those kinds of things. So. And what uh, did you? Where did you say that that was? On? Uh, it was on. Uh, we had a we had to buy it on on Amazon Prime. Okay, but it was okay. like. I bought it on Black Friday, uh, and it was like eight dollars. So oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it was fine. So cool. But, yeah, but that was cool. cool. So that's what I watched this week. What about you, Jesse? Awesome. Okay, so I actually switched things up quite a bit over this last week. I watched a lot more than I usually do, Ooh. and nothing that I usually watch. So, um, or almost nothing that I usually watch. So I did uh, catch up on the Masked Singer, so I'm up to date on that, um, and very excited to see where that's headed. Um, and then I watched, of course, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Mm. That's a must watch for me. Growing up, uh, that was just something that we always had to do. So, um, I have stuck with that tradition as an adult and (laughs) watched it. It was kind of cool to, I felt like I was witnessing history because there's so many modifications that they made and there's no, there was no crowd. Yeah. is just totally different than it's been in every yeah. year of my life since or before now. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that at all, honestly. I I mean, I I watch it sometimes. It's whatever. It's like a thing, but it's not really like something I live or die for, kind of like as a tradition. Um, but I didn't think about how yeah, how crazy different it must have looked this year. That would have been very fascinating. It was. It was. What was some of the uh, stuff lots they of did? masks? So like they had besides obviously like no crowds and I mean I no guess crowd naturally the sets are naturally pretty far apart. Yes, um, but so there was a lot of masks. So mm-hmm. uh, every anybody who wasn't like doing the the performance was pretty much wearing a mask. Like any dancers were wearing masks for the most part. Basically, if you weren't singing or you know usually they're lip singing, I think. But yeah. Um, they didn't, everyone else pretty much had masks on. Um, and then they, there were some of the floats were being pulled by cars mm. instead of having as many people walking. Um, so that was one of the other modifications. But I mean, really the biggest one was just that there was not the 3 million people that are usually lining the streets. Yeah. So you couldn't see anyone. It was just the performances. And then they said that some of the performances were pre-recorded. So mm. um, they, had, they had had some of the performers come down earlier in the week. They recorded theirs and then inserted those recordings um, interspersed throughout. So mm-hmm. um, those were some of the changes that they made. And it wasn't, I mean, it was still really like, for the most part, it wasn't that different. But when you thought about it, you were like, it's crazy that this is an event that normally attracts millions of people yeah. that are not there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's crazy that, that I mean, yeah, there just would have been no one there. I imagine people were watching from windows, but. Oh, sure, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's that's absolutely nuts. Yeah, that'd be very interesting to see. And, and, and normally with a thing like that, it's just like, I can't imagine how different it would feel. Like even like the background noise, like you can't, like that just changes the dynamic of everything. It just probably feels so different. Um, yeah, yeah. So no, that's very interesting. So uh, yeah, so we watched that. I also forgot. I didn't write this down, but I also watched the National Dog Show. I uh, I was gonna say that too. I watched. I didn't watch all of it. I watched. Uh, we put it on. We didn't start it right away. We watched like the middle third, and then we had to like leave. So we watched a little bit of it though, and obviously they're all very cute. So oh, very cute, <laughs> very cute. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Okay, so those were some of the things. And then I watched 
Holiday Home Makeover with Mr. Christmas on Netflix. Oh. Um, I only I only had a chance to watch episode one. There's there's four episodes I think, and I only had a chance to watch one of them. But man, it's so much fun. Yeah, he came into this house. He came, it was like this family, like a, a pretty young family. They had uh, it was the, the um, uh, husband, wife, and then their two their two young pretty young children, and then mm-hmm. both of the parents' moms. So. Yeah her mom and his mom. And they were all like, one of the moms traditionally always hosts Christmas, but it's been really challenging for the couple because they've been having to bounce around between all these different Christmases because both their parents are divorced and it's just been a lot for them to deal with. And so this year they were like, we want to have Christmas at our house, but we've never really decorated for Christmas because we always go somewhere else. So Mr. Christmas came in and totally revamped their house and (laughs) it was absolutely beautiful oh um so that was really fun to watch and gave me some ideas for my own decor (laughs) um and then i watched this one is more of a joke than anything but i have to mention it because i did watch it i watched 20 minutes of operation christmas drop which Mm. is a netflix christmas movie uh and i gotta tell you guys it's absolutely terrible it's unbearable oh no what i mean what was it even about i don't know i don't know what this movie is so basically and again i only watched 20 minutes so i can't really tell you on netflix that's about all i know it's horrendous (laughs) it's truly horrendous (laughs) like i can normally make it through these movies like no matter how cheesy they are that's part of the charm right this one had no charm no charm it was straight cheesy with no charm and i started watching it with my partner and these are not his style of movie like the cheesy ones he doesn't like christmas movies he doesn't it's just not his thing yeah and so I was like, will you watch a cheesy Christmas movie with me? And he's like, sure. So we, we put on this movie and we get 20 minutes in and I literally turned to him and I'm like, I can't even subject you to this anymore. <laughs> like, I can't put you through this. Like, you were kind enough to watch this movie with me. I like, we're not watching this anymore. <laughs> it's just Aww. not happening. Oh, no. Um, oh, and I will not return to it. So it's basically about this this girl who works. She's like a, I don't know, like a congresswoman's aide or something. She works in D.C., I know we're already off to uh, a bad start. Well, yeah, I mean, I rolled and, already. <laughs> and she gets sent to, I think, Guam or something like that right before Christmas, of course, because she has to investigate this Air Force base where the Air Force base is like doing this Christmas thing where they collect all these Christmas toys and on their trainings, they fly out these toys to like remote areas of the world that otherwise wouldn't have Christmas packages delivered. And the girl from Washington is like, we can't do this because this isn't in the budget and this is not right. And I was sent here to put an end to this and I don't care that it's Christmas and it's, it's real bad. It's real bad. I understand wanting to, to give things to people in underprivileged areas, but it's like those people don't celebrate Christmas. You know, did you think about that? Okay. Well, I think that wasn't the point (laughs) they were exactly going for in, in this, um, in this movie, but Nonetheless, I think they were eventually going to be headed in the direction of we're going to let this happen. But yeah, yeah I, it's, I mean, it's the main problem with this movie is that they picked two incredibly serious things. Like they picked like DC and they picked the military and then put in like these cheesy roles that it's like you watch this and you're like, this isn't even this isn't even half this isn't even a quarter. This isn't even an eighth of what this world is actually like. Oh yeah, I mean, you're I can't asking me to believe that that way too much. Ad- accurately d- 
portrays anybody who would be in, in those positions at all. No, I, I saw I saw nothing that remotely made me think that there was anything realistic about this movie at all. Um, real bad. bad. Don't yeah. ten out of ten. Don't recommend. All right. I, um, yeah. And so, last but not least on my list, then is what we turned to instead. So when we turned off that movie, we're like, okay, we got to find something else. So we watched Dash and Lily, which is a Netflix original series. That's a Christmas series, and there's eight episodes. And over the last week, we watched them all, and Aww. it's. It's really cute. Um, it, I will. I will advise this. Uh, it starts off stronger than it ends. Mm-hmm. So the first couple episodes are much cuter, and it eventually, as most Christmas movies do, builds to something that's kind of silly and not as rewarding or fulfilling as I think it could have been. But overall, yeah. it was cute, and we enjoyed it. So yeah, uh-huh. that was Dash and Lily. Uh-huh. Okay. Definitely. I, I will say we we talked about it before before uh, before we were on air. You didn't say anything though, so I'm glad you liked it. I, yeah, and I will definitely definitely put that on the docket. So that's I think good. you guys will like. I think you guys would like it. It's mm-hmm. it's like I said about when I was talking about Operation Christmas Drop. There's a fine line between like cheesy and charming, and yeah. this this is both. It's for sure both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that I will say that I I spent all day doing the other day, I was doing work. And one of the things I like to do when I work is I put on those like YouTube videos that are like, like the lo-fi beats and like a weird static background and stuff. I just, it helps me. It's very nice. It's nice to have on. And I found one. I mean, I found a lot of them. I mean, there's a whole slew of them. Uh, And I've just been going through uh, a bunch of Harry Potter Christmas themed ones. And there's this one, it doesn't have music, it's just kind of these weird animated, not very good animated, but it's still very cute, like, backgrounds of, like, and you just bounce, it's eight hours, an eight hour long video, Uh, and you just bounce around from, like, the first one's, like, a shop in Hogsmeade, and then it's in Gryffindor Tower, and then it's, like, the Great Hall, and it's, and there's, like, little, like, a cat that, like, is definitely just a photoshopped cat in the photo, and then he, like, (laughs) whisks away or something, like, it's, like, really, I mean, it's, like, done all in photoshop but it's very cute and it's very adorable and so i, I spent a lot of time watching that uh and i actually I was that. watching it because i was like this is nice. and there's just like sounds there's just this, like little light music in the background or like people walking by or just like the sounds of people chattering but you can't actually tell what they're saying or a firecracker like, it's great it's great stuff that's <laughs> so, sweet that's awesome 10 out of 10 recommend uh the harry potter static backgrounds on youtube <laughs> Cool, cool. Well, I feel like we had a good mix there of recommendations and uh, absolutely do not watch yeah, don't, <laughs> suggestions. Don't, yeah, don't. Apparently, Operation Christmas Drop, don't do it. That was I also said that on as a suggestion, and you quickly noted that. So I'm glad yeah. you're saving mm-hmm. us all, Jesse. No. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big time. All right. Well, I think it's time. We'll take our first break, and we'll come back with 20 questions. Hi, everyone. We are back, and it's time for 20 Questions, the part of the show where we answer questions from you guys about, I guess, whatever it is you want to ask us. Uh, Unless it's semi-themed and sometimes we do it, whatever. You know what's happening. I don't need to explain it to you. Jesse, what do we have this week? (laughs) Take it away. So um, this week we have a couple of Christmas questions to get to. 
Oh. So prepare yourself. I'm we got prepared. some listener questions this week. So I'm excited about these. We're going to start, though, with the most serious one okay. because I think, you know, we'll work our way to the more fun. But this one, this one is going to take some thought. Okay. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay. Here it is. How are you protecting your home from the threat of COVID posed by a strange man who is clearly in the high-risk age rate with unknown respiratory risk factors and unknown adherence to CDC masking and social <laughs> distancing protocols enters your home without your consent? Um... <laughs> Well, we don't have a fireplace where we live. We're not fancy. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but in, in more regulatory terms, uh, I would like to imagine that Santa's been social distancing this whole time. He's been isolated more than anyone else on the planet. So That's true. if anyone definitely doesn't have COVID, it's Santa. It's Santa? Now... Is he traveling to a bunch of places where he's probably going to get exposed to COVID? Yeah, but I imagine he'll wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, I he hope. seems. I mean, his beard basically is a mask. It's filtering <laughs> stuff. I don't know if it works in. that way. We we should ask the CDC about that. I'll call Fauci right now, and we'll see <laughs> what he has to say. Uh, and also, magic. I mean, he has flying range. I don't think that he he's lived forever. I don't think that common bacterial or virus <laughs> infections bother Santa Claus that much. So I think it's fine. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I, I was thinking more along the lines of the, the probability that Santa is probably just working with Amazon this year. That's true. He probably uh, <laughs> probably is just, he's just called up Jeff Bezos and very reluctantly was like, fine, I guess do it, man. I don't know. And you Yeah, know. <laughs> he's like, I have no choice. This is what it's come to. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad we took some time to address that very, very serious question. Very serious. Um, I hope you're all thinking about, about it as well. Yeah. I mean, do what you have to do for your families, but you know, yes. that, these have been my thought processes about <laughs> this particular issue. <laughs> oh, all right. So this next question in a similar vein. Now I am going to give a disclaimer here. Parents. I don't know if we have any parents that listen to the show. If we do and your children are in the vicinity, I highly recommend skipping ahead the next, I don't know, five, ten minutes, okay? Yeah, we, Here's just, your we warning. can't let them discover the secrets of Santa Claus. And we're about to divulge some of the secrets of Santa Claus. So Yes, exactly. This the is magic, your warning. Yeah, this is your warning. Skip ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I hit the Consider wall yourself warned. We are not responsible for any cheers that come <laughs> as a result of this conversation if you fail to skip ahead. So... Andreas, how yes. did you find out that Santa Claus is not real? And the listener says, my apologies if this question is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, shockingly, no. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Um, I have a memory uh, of finding what would have been my Santa Christmas present one year in my parents' room. But I don't know if that, I mean, I was like four, so I don't know. I can't trust that memory. Um, mm -hmm. But then it was one of those things where my family like still did Santa up until like I was in college. We, we knew it was fake. We just did it anyways. We yeah. just went through the motions. And so I don't know when it just became, we were all just on the same page that we were just doing it still just to do it. Uh, 
and and it wasn't real any I don't know when that transition happened, but at some point it did. Um yeah. I knew I know for sure in like late elementary school I knew for sure. I don't know when okay. or how or what the mechanism was, but around yeah, 11, 12, yeah, kind of getting into junior high. At some point there it was obvious to me what the truth was of the known. matter was. Um, yeah. But I don't have like a specific memory about it. So our stories could not be more different. <laughs> I have a very traumatizing story oh, to tell no. all of you. Now, I want to preface this by saying that my father remembers this story very differently than I do. So if he were here at the table right now, he would not tolerate me <laughs> telling this story. He'd be like, that is not how it happened. And he would tell you a very different story. But this is how my six-year-old brain remembers it. So... Now, some of this story is, is factual. There's no opinion to some of this story. So I'll tell you when the opinion starts coming in. Yeah. The facts of the story that <laughs> all parties agree upon are that... Sounds like a BuzzFeed I, Unsolved upset. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is that I lost a tooth, and I put my tooth under my pillow. The tooth fairy didn't come. A second night, I put my tooth under my pillow, and the tooth fairy didn't come. A third night, I put my tooth under my pillow and the tooth fairy didn't come. Mm. Now, by this point, my six-year-old self was distraught. I was telling my parents that the tooth fairy didn't like me and what was wrong with me. Was there something wrong with my tooth? Like, why is the tooth fairy not coming? Little did my six-year-old brain connect that the tooth fairy also is not real. That, <laughs> that never crossed my little six-year-old mind. I just thought she didn't like me and thought something was wrong. Now, my parents, at every turn of these conversations, bless their hearts, they said that she did like me and that she was going to come, but she just kept forgetting. <laughs> so, finally... To be fair, after, I believe that that was probably the truth. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was the truth for sure. Um, now, after what uh, it, all parties seemed to agree upon was four times, at that point in time... The truth had to come out. <laughs> so this is where opinion and conjecture comes into play. My dad does not remember this being the way the story happens, but this is what I remember. Mm -hmm. I remember pestering about this and my dad saying, okay, come on, and picking up a chair from our dining room, taking it into my parents' room to be away from my brother so he wouldn't hear any of this, shutting the door and asking me to sit down in the chair. I sat down in said chair and my dad said, Jessica? The tooth fairy is not real. It's me and your mother. <laughs> and as what I consider to be a relatively smart six-year-old, my follow-up, immediate follow-up question was, what about Santa Claus? <laughs> now, what I remember is my dad not really saying anything and just kind of shrugging his shoulders, like not saying, like not confirming, like Santa's not real, but kind of doing like the... Mm, yeah you know kind of grimacing so i i have to tell you guys because you know you start making memories pretty late in life like it, pretty late in like you know i don't have memories from being four i don't have yeah. memories from being three that um so i don't remember a time in my life where i ever believed in santa claus oh no <laughs> isn't that sad that's really sad i mean i guess i don't necessarily either i that's very sad oh it's very sad 
Um, my dad, now I will give credit where credit's due. He says, if he were to be telling this story, he says it went very differently. He says that he came to my room and sat on my bed and very lovingly told me that Santa wasn't real and gave me a hug and patted my back. I don't remember any of that bullshit. (laughs) I do not think that's what happened. (laughs) I think my memory is very accurate that it was much less emotional than that. And knowing, knowing my dad... I think he's thinking of what he would do now as an older guy. <laughs> he, he's not old, but he's older. And I think he's much more gentle in spirit. I, I think my story makes a lot more sense from who who he was yeah. at that time in life. That's fair. Wow. So, That's um, a crazy story. I do remember kind of what you said. I, I do remember knowing. I do have memories of there was a period of time where I knew Santa wasn't real and my younger sister did not. Mm-hmm. And I remember knowing, yep. okay. We're doing this for her. But then it just kept happening. And I was like, she knows that he's not real either. We're still just doing this, I guess. We're still just doing yeah, okay, this. Okay, um, funny, funny thing about that is that to this day, I don't know if it's just my mom's way of traumatizing me, but she still to this day tells us that we won't get presents if we don't believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> She's like, you have to believe in Santa or you won't get presents. I mean, she's not wrong. Uh, you know, she's not she's wrong. not wrong. So anyways, good stories there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Parents, you're safe to tune back in now. Yeah, you're, you're good now. Yeah, you, this you next back question, <laughs> this next question, your kids may even have some thoughts on. Andreas, candy canes, yay or nay? Oh, uh, big yay. Big yay. I'm a big nay. I'm a big yay. Now, here's the thing. Now, can you overdo the candy cane? Yes. Now, okay. you know, my par- my parents are the, my family is a candy cane on the tree family. And so naturally, by the time it's getting to the end of Christmas and you're like, shit, I got to eat all these candy canes. <laughs> <laughs> you put yourself in a real bad spot. But that first like week where you're like, oh yeah, like, oh, hungry. I, I can just get a candy cane. It's great. That's a, that's a, that's the best day ever. And then the other thing I will say is, and here's a little something, something, a little family secret that I will give to our listeners of the show is you take not like a hooked candy cane, but like the big thick ones, stick that sucker in an orange. What? Suck on it. The acid will break down, will break through the candy cane. And it's like a straw. It's like a minty orange drink. Whoa. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. Your hands get absolutely disgustingly sticky, but it's cool. <laughs> Can you please send me a video evidence of this? Yeah, I'll do that. I, I, I would have to buy some oranges and some thick candy canes, but yeah, I can definitely do that. <laughs> please. Sometime before December 25th, I need evidence that this is the thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely a thing, and it works, and it tastes good. Now, when you say that you're a big fan of candy canes, are you speaking exclusively about the traditional red and white candy cane, the traditional minty candy cane? Yeah. Okay. Just red and so, white. In any shape, I like the mini ones. I like the big ones. Okay. I like the big, thick okay. ones. They're all good. They're all good to me. So I actually, I, I, can, I can tolerate the mini ones because that's more like just like having a mint, I, but I can't handle a, a regular sized candy cane. It's just too much mint. I don't need that much mint in my life. That's fair. That's um, a reasonable take. So when I when I say big nay on candy canes, I, I regularly go an entire Christmas season without having a candy cane. Yeah. If I am going to have one, I have what I would call not real candy canes, which is like, you know, I'll eat like one of those Jolly Rancher 
uh, like candy canes. They're not Jolly Rancher, but like Starburst. You know how like different candies have made candy canes, yeah. but they're not traditional candy canes. I'll eat those, but that's basically just like eating a sucker. Like, yeah, that's like eating a lollipop or, or sucking on like a hard Jolly Rancher or something like yeah. that. I I will eat those, but the Jolly Rancher candy cane sounds pretty good. I don't think I've ever had that. I don't think that's real. I think I made that up. Oh well, Jolly Rancher, if you're listening. <laughs> It could be real. I I don't know. I, we have this on tape. We will sue you if yeah. you all of a sudden come out with this idea. I'm gonna patent this real quick, right? <laughs> um. All right. Okay. So our final question for our twenty question segment today, Andreas. Yes. What is the best and the worst Christmas gift that you ever received? Oh my goodness! The best and the worst Christmas gift that I've ever received. Um. So the best Christmas gift. Well, I will say this. This is the best and the worst Christmas gift. Now, not the worst because I think it's the worst, but functionally, it's purpose in life. Eh. (laughs) But it is a super great idea and a great gift that my partner got for me last year. So I love, well, I love dinosaurs. And I've always loved dinosaurs. Loved them as a kid. Like, Watched the Discovery Channel like a madman. Like that, I was was weird down the rabbit hole. Learned how to spell paleontologist in second grade for career day. Like that was where I was at in my life. This naturally led, when I discovered things like the Loch Ness Monster, to then become obsessed with that when I was like 10 and 12. You know, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. What if dinosaurs were still around? Because obviously that's all I wanted. So I have a weird obsession with the Loch Ness Monster as well. So my partner last year bought me it's these green plastic ladles <laughs> that have a little, like, head on the top and, like, a little body with little feet to look like a little plesiosaur. And you just, it's just a ladle. You just scoop it out, just a plastic ladle, but it looks like the Loch Ness Monster, and I love those things. Those things are amazing. It's a shallow ladle. ladle. It's not really that functional. I have better ladles, but that motherfucker is so cute. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. It's the best gift anyone's ever gotten for me. I'm like, because she saw that. She was like, well, I have to get that. There's no, and I'm like, oh, you just, that's how much you get me. You would know that regardless of how impractical I would, I don't, what do I even ladle? I don't make soup. I don't like, <laughs> what do I, I, but you know, I need to have it. So that was very nice of you. So I, yeah. I'm going to wrap these two things in one. That's, that's, that's a good answer. That is a very good answer. Um, I don't have anything quite that good to wrap into into one. What I will say is that I, I want to recognize that if anyone who has given me a really good Christmas gift over the years is listening to this, I, like I have gotten a lot of good Christmas gifts over the years. I have some really thoughtful friends who have come up with some awesome gifts. My partner has given me some awesome gifts. Um, so I'm probably forgetting some from over the years, but the two that immediately come to mind, one is like the first Christmas gift I can remember getting, which was basically, um, the, uh, it was like a Barbie dream house. Mm. So I remember going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, well after Santa would have came, I guess, (laughs) in theory, although I don't think I believed in Santa at that time, given the story that I just told, but oops, I guess that's parents hope you weren't listening (laughs) Cats out of the bag. Um, Oh, well, now your children's lives will be as bad as my childhood was. (laughs) I'm just kidding, you guys. I had a great childhood. Um, But anyways, I remember walking down the hall to go to the bathroom, and I saw 
the Barbie dream house. And I, so I knew it was going to be there the next morning. Like I knew that's what I got. And I was so excited. Like I went back to bed and I was like a really good kid. Like I didn't go over there and like, I just knew that that's what it was going to be. And I was so excited. Um, so that's one that comes to mind. And then of course, how could I not say this one? One year there was no Christmas presents under the tree, except for one each one for me and one for my brother. We opened them up and there was like a thing of like a thing of flip flop sandals and a bottle of sunscreen. And the gift was that we were going to Mexico. So that was a cool gift. That Uh, is pretty cool. Didn't know that was coming. So that was fun. Um, Worst gift I ever received? Easy, easy answer. I'm so sorry, great grandma. I hope you're not listening to this in heaven. But if you are, it was when I was a young child and I got a sweater and my best friend who is my cousin or still is my cousin, uh, she got a Barbie and I got a sweater. (laughs) And she was like eight and I was like six. (laughs) And it was really disappointing. (laughs) And I was like, I think I'm not the favorite grandchild, clearly. <laughs> I, I bet the sweater was cute. I don't know. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> not cute sweaters are cute. They can be. It's like yeah. Ron and Harry sweaters. Those things. But also at the same time, they're nice. I just I wanted a Barbie, Andreas. Yeah, that's that's all I really wanted. That's fair. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So. But you know what, great grandma, <laughs> is the thought that counts. And I'm very thankful that you were thinking of me, so. Yeah. There it is. My little greedy, bratty, six-year-old self. Didn't know any manners, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, don't blame me. My childhood was ruined. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. I can't. I have to stop. All right. All right. That's all we've got for 20 questions, Andreas. Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, so we'll take a break, and we'll be back with movie news. Hi, everyone. We are back from our break, and it's time for movie news. Now, don't uh, we got a couple of stories here today. We got some follow-up stories. We got some new stories. We got some cool stories. I think this will be a good time. So, the first thing that we're going to talk about is a follow-up story. So, I reported... That we all know the Johnny Depp thing is whatever, all that stuff's happening. And the reports that Matt Mickelson was going to replace Johnny Depp as Grindelwald, and that is now confirmed. Uh, oh, he is okay. one, he is definitely doing it. Uh, and I, I can confirm that, uh, so I'm getting this from uh, IndieWire, um, that the film is currently being, uh, so Fantastic Beast 3 is in production in London. Maz Mickelson will be Grendelwald in the third installment. So, okay, that's where we're at with this. Uh, it will be interesting to, to see how this all wraps up, but I figured I would let everyone down. You haven't been keeping up. That that is what happened there. Um, another quick story for everyone. This one not quite as happy, but uh, real sad. And then I have a fun tidbit that I learned this week that I didn't know uh, to follow up with it. But David Prowse. Uh, the man in the costume for Darth Vader died a couple of days ago, uh, passed away at the age of 85. Um, so for anyone who didn't know, James Earl Jones was the voice for Darth Vader, uh, but David, Dave Prowse was the uh, actor who actually wore the suit um, on set. Um, and I learned uh, uh, a, a very, very nice thing that James Earl Jones did. He actually originally went uncredited as the voice of Darth Vader, because he figured, he was like, David's performance, he's the one who actually did all the work. He was the one who was on set. 
He was the one that interacted with the actors that gave the character life that did all that. So he didn't want to take any credit for that. Uh, he wanted Dave Frost to get all the credit for that. So I thought that that was very nice and a very nice way to remember him. Um, and, Interesting. Yeah. So I have something to add to that. There is a documentary on Netflix that I watched that's about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's about like the, um, it's not really about Star Wars. It's about the extras in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Not the extras. I, sorry, I'm not, I'm not explaining this very well. It's like people who were in Star Wars that played very minor characters. Yeah. So like what their experience was like as, you know, Star Wars got so popular, but they really like their faces weren't really seen. Um, And yeah, so they didn't get like the same recognition as, uh, as, Many of the others. Sorry, I'm getting distracted because I'm trying to find the documentary. I think it's called Elstree 1976. Mm. I think. Um, it's. I don't believe it. Looks like it's not on Netflix anymore. But it was mm-hmm. really interesting because they had him on, uh, the guy who was in the Darth Vader suit. Oh. And he talks a lot about how essentially he had no idea that he wasn't going to be doing the voices. Oh. So when he was in the suit, he did all of like the reading. Yeah. He did all of the Darth Vader, like all of the lines and yeah. everything, and wasn't really told until after the fact that, by the way, your voice isn't even really going to be in the movie. It's going to be someone else. Yeah. I, so, so I think I've heard this before. I think that they originally, I think that that was the original plan was that he was going to do it. But then I think somehow, some way, the studio got James Earl Jones to agree to be part of the movie. And they were like, well, well, we can't say no to that because we only have two actors whose names mean anything in this film. <laughs> so we have to use it. Like, we have to do that. So Yeah, so it's a really interesting backstory. Like, he goes into a lot of details about it. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good document. You, you should watch it. I definitely I should watch hear your take on that it. That sounds really fun. Um, yeah. I definitely should. In, in, in memory of Mr. Prowse uh, and his role yeah. uh, there. So. Um, sending all best wishes to his, uh, his family and his friends and, of course, um, his massive fan base as well. Um, Absolutely. He will definitely be missed. All right. The next story is uh, some breaking news uh, as of today. Uh, some news. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you heard this, Jesse, but um, I'm reading this from Variety, and I'm, I'm going to read the headline uh, from there. Um, Oscar-nominated Oscar Umbrella Academy star Elliot Page announces he is transgender. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think... Yes, I, I did hear about this. Yeah, this is the big story. I think this is pretty much the mm-hmm. big news of today. Um, so Elliot Page, formerly known as, uh, formerly referred to as Ellen Page, uh, announces that he is transgender. Um, I haven't watched uh, Umbrella Academy, so the thing that they would be most mo- known for, uh, of course, is Juno, uh, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, and he releases a really, really nice statement that's really cool. Um, so go to Variety or any of a lot of different websites, picked up the story, read uh, his statement. It's probably on his Instagram and stuff as well. Um, it's a really, really nice, a really cool and a really powerful statement. And uh, I'm glad that Elliot found the strength to be able to, to you know, kind of recognize themselves and feel empowered uh, to be able to, um, to share their identity with the rest of us. And I think that that's really cool and really powerful. And have been a big fan. Probably will always continue to be a big fan. Uh, and so I, I think that that's awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely did hear about that yeah. today. So it's been it's been all over Instagram. I'm sure many of you have 
I heard about it by the time, especially by the time this episode comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, it, because it'll be a week or so later. But um, one thing that I will say, though, I don't watch Umbrella Academy. I wonder if this will do anything to the character on the show. I have no idea. It might not matter. They might just portray the character as is still. I don't mm-hmm. know. No details. I, everything that I read didn't seem to have details. No one's worried about that, as we probably shouldn't be. Not a big deal. Um, they'll sort that out on their end at some point. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, but again, Definitely. awesome that uh, he feels comfortable uh, sharing that with the rest of us. Yeah, uh, and actually, I think it is worthwhile to say that I think a lot of people will be looking to how they handle the situation because it may have the power and the potential to set a good precedent or it could end one. up yeah. <laughs> doing something pretty bad. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they navigate that and hopefully they they set some some precedent for for situations that are like this that will inevitably continue to come up in the future yeah for sure and that they again uh choose a path that continues to empower and um make that person feel safe and comfortable uh Mm -hmm. because again i could very easily see how it could not and it could end poorly um though i will say out of every studio in the world i guess the one that i would trust the most with the situation would be netflix so We'll see, but I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because that's going to be very important to how these situations are handled in the future. Uh, For sure. As well. All right. The, speaking of Netflix and how things are going to be handled in the future, uh, so we've been talking a lot about all these movies that keep getting canceled and are going to streaming services. The next big one that everyone's trying to figure out what's going to happen is Godzilla versus Kong. Now, I am a big Godzilla fan. Obviously, all the things that I've said already this episode, that makes sense. I also love <laughs> King Kong. Again, all the things I've said, that makes sense. So I've been very excited for this movie because why not watch two giant monsters fight each other? That sounds like a great time for me. Um, but uh, it was slated to come out this year. And obviously, this is a big budget thing. This is a big deal. But it's not. It's seemingly like it's not going to happen. And the latest news that we have, I'm pulling this article from IndieWire as well, was that Warner Media, so Warner Brothers distributing the film, turned down a two hundred million dollar offer from Netflix for the movie, uh, and reportedly is striking. Uh, probably going to strike a deal with HBO Max uh, to get the film onto their streaming service. Um, so the report on IndieWire has a lot more details on how, like, what the proposal was and, and, and how much the, uh, you know, the, uh, who would have gotten how much of that money and how much the movie cost and all those things. I'm not going to bore everyone with those details and, and for the sake of time. But, I mean, $200 million, I mean, there's only been, like, this movie didn't cost $200 million to make. Uh, they would have recuperated their costs for that much money. So... Uh, interesting that they turned it down and that they're taking another deal, either more money, either more back-end deal. They think that they're going to be able to make more money off of it. I don't know what the details of all of that is. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see come out. But um, bodes well, I think, for a lot of other studios who have been trying to get their movies bought off. Um, it seems to be that at le- there's at least a market to offer the movie at least what it was worth to make, if not a little more. Um, so this continues my belief that we're going to continue to see these movies get bought, get put on streaming services, uh, and that that trajectory is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so that, uh, so, um, you know, that'll be interesting. Um, one, uh, sentence I did want to pull from here was that, so, um, the, the film, which is, uh, you know, uh, being financed by Legendary Pictures, um, you know, they have a, b- a bunch of other movies, two other big, uh, um, you know, well, a bit, another big budget movie that they delayed this year, Dune. Um, and the next year they have the Batman coming out as well. 
Um, and people are, you know, this article really highlights that people are keeping an eye on that, on those two films, especially, and especially Dune, um, because that movie got delayed a whole year. It was supposed to be out mm-hmm. by now. Presumably this movie is finished. Um, and so will they just sit on this and wait for it to come out in theaters? Or are they going to also try to push this out on a streaming service as well? Um, that that's I think the next movie that everyone's got their eyes on um, and we'll see about the Batman that's slated for early next year I mean for mid late next year um, and we'll see if that ever happens or it's a Warner Brothers property uh, and and those have been seemingly going to HBO Max um, because I think they have some deal with them so it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out so we'll we'll keep a pulse on that um, 200 I can't imagine saying no to 200 million dollars and that's pretty much right. the end of the day for that story that treasure <laughs> that I was talking about in the BuzzFeed that was just one million dollars and people are like five people died looking for that thing like like coast guards had to go like rescue people in the forest because that's they were crazy like, going for it because it was worth a million dollars and everybody was like we gotta find it uh so imagine saying no to 200 million dollars i i that's some that's some big energy right there that i don't have yeah i can't process that uh anyway so that's all i've got for movie news a couple quick headers some interesting stuff for everyone to chew on uh and uh keep a pulse on in hollywood um yeah yeah sweet so with that said We'll take a break and we'll be back with Klaus, Klaus, Kliss, Klaus, Klissner. I found your coat. Welcome back, everyone, and it is time to talk about. Klaus, and I do believe that that is the correct pronunciation of this I, film because that is his name. In that's what they said in the movie, so we're going to go with Klaus. We're going to go with Klaus. So uh, the Oscar-nominated animated Christmas film from Netflix. Uh, Jesse, you want to give us our background? You got it. So Klaus uh, on Rotten Tomatoes has a 94% on the tomato meter and a 97% audience score. So generally quite well-received by critics and audiences alike. I had not looked that up. That is interesting. We'll get to that. (laughs) The critics' consensus is beautiful hand-drawn animation and a humorous, heartwarming narrative make Klaus an instant candidate for holiday classic status. This is rated PG for rude humor and mild action. I always like reading what the the rating is for. Rude humor. (laughs) Rude humor. Um, It is... How rude. (laughs) It is directed by Sergio Pablos and produced by Jinko Goto. I probably butchered that. I'm so sorry. Uh, Sergio Pablos, Matthew Tevan, Mercedes Gamero, and Mikel Lejarza. Um, it was released in, on to Netflix, November 15th, 2019. And the production companies are the SPA studios and Atres Media Cine. Atres Media Cine. Yeah. Um, and then there is castmate or cast members, uh, consisting of Jason Schwartzman, JK Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, Sergio Pablos, and Norm MacDonald are the first uh, couple of names that come up on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's your background, folks. <laughs> Andreas, what did you think? 
Um, I, uh, it was fine, I guess. <gasps> I'm heartbroken. I really loved it. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I was, I was close. I will say it, it almost got me, but then it would just do something that would just take me out of it again. And I was just like, wait, why did you, why did you Oh, do that? I'm that so weird. devastated right now. Like I couldn't be more uh, devastated that you don't, that you didn't like it. I loved it. I, I won't say I was, I was entertained. I, I it kept my attention. It wasn't like jingle jangle. I didn't, I didn't lose attention. I didn't, but I, I, I did. I just, it was just, I don't know something. It didn't have something. It was just missing, and there and there was too much like weird things and things that were too like tropey for the sake of being tropey, and and they didn't make a lot of sense. And so it just was like the whole time I was like, why did you do that? Why was that the decision that was made? Why was why is this character behaving this way? That makes no sense. Given I understand in the sense of what you're trying to do with the story, but it actually makes no sense within the context of what is is happening and how things would play out in the real world. So it's just like... Well, it's a cartoon. Of course it's not going to make sense as to how things would play out in the real world. Well, there's... Well, no. Obviously, there's the fantastical cartoon aspect of it, but there's not the, like... Like, like, and we'll get into the details later, but, like, like the relationship between him and the teacher. Why was I supposed to care about... They talked to each other twice before they spent the night together, I guess? I mean, I, that happens in real life, but it's, like, that's... Uh, it was weird. It's not like they, like, fell in love like, all of a sudden. Like, that's not what's happening here. But it's just because you wanted a love story here, too. And so I'm like, well, that's... It just made it feel not as good to me. It just made it be, and there's a bunch of decisions like that where I was like, "That's not. That doesn't actually make a lot of sense when you take any time to think about it." And so that makes everything else that's happening in this movie, the good parts about this movie, it just cheapens them a little bit. It makes it feel like, like the core dynamic between Postman and Klaus, like that's good. That's all interesting. The town, the like lore behind the town, that's all cool. The animation's cool, but it's just. Other little things that kept happening. I was like, that's not a, that's weird. That's a weird thing that you did. That. That's not, that's not how this would play out. I'm just, and that's weird. It makes me feel weird. I'm just, I'm having such a hard time right now. I, I don't know why this is the movie that's hitting me this way. Like, I don't know <laughs> why fair. we've, we've that's, disagreed that's on reasonable. movies many times. I don't uh, know why this one is, is hitting me so hard. I, okay. So uh, I guess, how should we do this then? Should we, should we break it down into into things we we didn't like first? Yeah, okay. I think we should do that. I think we can do things we didn't like and things we liked. And if you want to do it, you can go with the things you didn't like first, then me, and then I can do the things I like, then you can end with the things you Perfect. Liked. So we end here with a big pause. That sounds good. So <laughs> I have I I can think of maybe um two or three things that I, I didn't like. So I'll start with the biggest thing that I didn't like. I didn't like the ending. Um, I found the ending to be kind of disappointing that essentially yeah. like we have this relationship built up between the two of them. And they tell us that essentially the, the relationship has been good and, and stable for 12 years. And then Klaus just leaves. 
And I actually, mm-hmm. I liked the idea that he like went to join his wife. I thought that was very touching. Like the whole idea of where the wind, he he's like, I'm coming love. Like I, I liked that idea actually. I, I think it's cheesy, but it worked for me. The problem is that I didn't like that he, I guess, continued to be. Abandoned his best friend. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of yeah. sense. Also, did he kill himself? Is that what I'm supposed to I'm not sure. I, I found the whole thing to be very confusing. Like, when it ended, I was like, was very wait. weird. So I literally turned, because my partner watched it with me, and I, I turned to him, and I was like, so is he still Santa Claus? Like, is that what he's telling us? Is that he still delivers the presents? Because um, Jesper says, like, I get to see him once a year or whatever. So I'm like, so he's still delivering the present. Like, how does this work? I'm I'm still confused about the logistics of how this movie ended. Oh no, Santa Claus is a ghost. Okay, that's what I infer. Okay, I I honestly had you, like, no heard idea. the footsteps on the roof. Okay, and he's waiting by the chimney, and it's like, I mean, it maybe wasn't literal, but that's what you I got mean, from it. That what I it, it, to what you're saying doesn't make a lot of sense either. It was literal, and that's weird. Or it wasn't literal, and it just was confusing for no reason. So. Yeah, I, I didn't think that it, we needed that. I think it could have ended just as well with, uh, like, Santa Claus essentially telling Jesper, like, I'm I'm going to be going now. Like, I'm going to be yeah. not take doing this job anymore and, like, figuring out something. Or, I don't know, like, maybe he should have just, if you were going to, kill him off then i guess maybe just kill him off and have jesper know that he died i i don't know something like make it i I didn't need that part of it i i didn't think it was helpful and i actually thought that it kind of it led to the movie being kind of anticlimactic for me um i thought the movie built really well the whole time and then all of a sudden that was the ending that i got and i i was very disappointed in that yeah i definitely agree with you i think the end the end is the most egregious part to me and i think i would have this movie, I think I could have said that I liked it, I thought it was cute, and thought it was... Like, I would have liked it and with a more positive tone than my tone right now, where it's like, it was fine, but I I just didn't like it. And it's like, that probably would have been flipped. I probably would have been like, well, I like it, but there's some things about it that were weird, but whatever, it was so cute. I think that the end really changed that, changed that perspective for me. And again, because there was... Uh, and we'll talk about it. There's times where this movie gets me and like, I'm like, okay, like I'm getting into it. And then it would, it would like suck me back out. And I think I, the end was one of those that actually the climax of the film was fine and was good. And what I thought it was going to be. And it was nice, but then, yeah, then the resolution, the end of the movie was weird and didn't make any sense. And I was like, well, okay, this was, this was in fact a waste of my time. And it was just like, yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't get, I didn't get what they were going for. It didn't fit also with like, I understand the idea of, like, I, I the best thing I we'll get when we talk about the things we like. This idea of Santa Claus, like the myth around him being around this kind of like, actually something that was actually pretty grounded and pretty real. Um, like the reindeer was just them actually ramping off of something, like all of that. Like I actually really like, thought that that was the best. That was the best part of the movie, the best part of the idea of the movie. And so then for the end to be what it was. Again, if it was supposed to be metaphorical, this movie, the whole point of this movie was that metaphor was met with like real life. And so it was like, well, then that's weird that this is the note that you're ending on because it is supposed to be Mm -hmm. grounded. We're supposed to get out of the myth. But then if it's literal, then it's like, well, again, this movie is supposed to be. This isn't what this movie was actually supposed to be the whole time. The movie was supposed to be about 
how we built the myth of Santa Claus. Like that is more what, and so it's just like uh, they missed the mark on like hitting that message home. I thought. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I I agree. Like, I I think that for me, it's that when I think of this movie, I just I'm not going to think of the ending. That's not the thing that's going to come to my yeah. mind. I'm going to think of all of the things that I loved about it. And frankly, for me, the movie could have ended essentially like where he walks into. Um, it's like. Later on, it's towards the end when Jesper walks in and he's got like the mustache and the beard that he grew. Like that, it it could have ended there for me, where it was like they were kind of Mm -hmm. hinting at the fact that Jesper was getting older and maybe he was going to be taking over this job. Or I don't know. They could have done, there's so much they could have done that they didn't even really need to have a nice wrapped up tie tie a bow on it kind of ending. Um, they could have done yeah. a lot just leaving it open-ended and I would have been much happier with that. So I think in my head, that's where the movie ends. Like for me, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't, the, the rest of the end, since it doesn't make any sense and since it, there's no compelling reason mm-hmm. to really have that narrative, I'm just like, yeah, I would shut the movie off in the future <laughs> when he <laughs> walks in with the beard. <laughs> that makes sense, Jesse, but they did it. They, did they it. made us they watch that. It. So I, I have to. I'll be the. I'll be the bad guy here. I'll dock them points. No, I, for it. I agree. <laughs> I, I also dock them points for it. But from my, my enjoyment perspective, I, I liked so yeah. much about the movie that I'm willing to be like, okay, screw that ending. That's fine. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That's fair. I think. That so the fair. other things that I didn't like. This is a really minor thing, but I thought that uh, towards like the. I don't know if if I were to split the movie into quarters, so it's a fourth, four different chunks. Yeah, I think towards the end of the first fourth, there gets to be some pacing problems. So they drag out the introduction to Claus too much, in my opinion. Um, so he goes up. There. Yeah, he needs to. He needs. Yeah, he one. He needs to be introduced a little sooner, and two, his introduction needs to be pretty brief, and that's about a. I mean, it feels like a 15-minute sequence. Probably isn't actually. Well, I think if you added up all of the chunks, because, right, he goes there and he sees him with the axe, so he's worried. He goes back home. Then then Klaus realizes that he wants to deliver a toy to the kid. So he finds Jesper, brings him back. I think if you were to add up all that stuff, it would probably add up to 15 minutes or more, and it's a bit too much. Um, And then after that, even after that, so after they deliver the first toy, they continue to kind of build it up to, like, are they going to do this? Are they not going to do this? When in reality, the movie is called Klaus. Like we all knew they were going to do this. So we didn't need like this quote suspense of, is this going to happen or is this not going to happen? Um, so for me, yeah. that whole, that whole section, like the end of the first fourth and the beginning of the second fourth of the movie is it, it's, it needs improvement. Um, as far yeah. as the pacing goes. Yeah, that's that I'll leave, I'll leave it at mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And then the other, the last thing that I, I didn't like, well, I guess I, I ended up liking it and I, I feel terrible even saying this out loud because this is, this is, this movie exists for this reason. Like I should not say that I don't like this, but it took me a while to adjust to the animation. And I don't know if that's just because, uh, I'm not used to watching hand-drawn an- animation anymore, really. Um, that doesn't have as much pizzazz to it like i think of pixar movies and i just think of like that animation is so different looking compared to what we saw and i don't know all the ins and outs of of animation styles but it took me a while to adjust to it i found the animation to be a little bit like creepy at first i don't know why i don't know i can't really describe what i mean by that but it's just i mean 
whenever like body parts are very disproportionate and stuff, I just find that very weird and jarring to look at. But I did adjust mm-hmm. to it. So I did, by the end of the movie, I didn't feel like it looked weird anymore. I, I had finally settled into it and felt good about it, except for I hated, and I don't know, this might be worth a bigger conversation, but I hated, like, the giant kids. Whatever. Like, what Oh, I mean, was that, that is, that's an issue that I don't even know if we can unpack. Honestly, I, I'm very confused by that choice. I don't know. I think it. I think it's harmful in a lot of ways that I think it's like they were they were portraying like I, they were buying into stereotypes about body image, right? Like we know like yeah. some of the research out there suggests that heavier set individuals are looked at differently than skinny individuals in society, and this. To me, I just got such a bad feeling every time they like they couldn't talk, like they were like stupid. The 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 giant kids yeah, were stupid. Yeah. They like didn't have any agency. They didn't was, they didn't speak. Yeah. They didn't use words. I didn't know if they were actually children. Like I I think they were supposed to actually be these people's children, but I don't understand why they were. Yeah, it was their. Why kids. why were they? Why were they giants? I mean, they're old enough and mature enough to apparently decide to get married to each other, but they can't speak or do it. It was it was it's all bad. It was all not weird. <laughs> it was weird. I didn't yeah. understand the choice at all, and I kept coming back to like, why are they doing this? Like, what? It? I I just I I couldn't think of one good reason for why that choice was made, other than I guess yeah. animation that they wanted to have weird animation. I, I don't know. I, I still am at a loss for words on it. I hated it. It added nothing to the movie. They could have made those kids have complete agency and it would have been just as fine of a story. <laughs> I mean, they could have cut those characters completely and it wouldn't have mattered at all. It, they were literally inconsequential and they were shoved in our face. Again, all of these, there's lots of decisions like that that I really just kept picking up on. That's one of them. And it was just like, how did you do this? Like this was what's here is fine. What is this? Yeah. Like what is this? Why is this entering the, I, I, that? And then that's definitely I think one of the more egregious ones. Um, and it's like I don't one I don't know what you're doing. Two whatever you're doing seems really bad. And like three this actually adds nothing. This is this is this benefits yeah. me. They're not funny. They're not nope. interesting. They're not. They don't have any impact on the plot. They don't have. Nothing. They they literally offer nothing to the story, uh, except to portray dumb people, I guess, and that is very insulting. I don't know. It's it's it, weird. it's very weird. Um, I I really didn't like that at all. Yeah. Um. So th- those were yeah, my I those were like overall. I, I tied that in with the animation just because it, that's what kept sticking out to me is like why are they animated in this way? Why is this the way they choose yeah. to draw these characters? Yeah. Um. So that's my summary. So what what do you have yeah. to add to this? We'll get to the animation later, but I, I, I will disclose that. I really liked the animation, actually. I think that that was one of the... Fe- it was weird at first. I don't know if it's totally hand-drawn. I think there are some CG elements to it. I think that my guess is that that is probably the novelty of it, is that it's a blend of the two. Um, or it's a hand-drawn style or a CG style that is supposed to kind of mimic mm, the other. Mm-hmm. Um my partner really was like, oh, it looks like the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, kind of. At times. It kind of has that vibe. And, like, I thought of other, like, like Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a very specific kind of art style attached there. Um, even though it's different studio, uh, whatever. But, um, anyways, I was like, oh, it's kind of mimicking that. 
but it's kind of CG or supposed to look a little. I, I I don't know the story behind the animation, but I actually thought it was cool. I liked the blend of all these different mm-hmm. things. Um, it never really bothered me. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so things I didn't like. Uh, well, I mean, were a lot of them. Uh, the first thing I'll say, and the biggest thing for me is that the actual like moral thematic, like the thematic content of this story, uh, was entirely hypocritical and made no sense. <laughs> Um, because the whole premise of this movie rests upon the fact that our main character is like, he's, 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 he only started doing this because he was trying to find a way out of the town. And, but at the same time, everyone else that he's, the two main people that he's interacting with, uh, the teacher and Klaus actually only ever started doing the thing that they were doing because they also had their own agendas that they were trying to accomplish. Like the lady, the girl who was trying to teach, like she was just trying to do the same thing. And then they criticize him. Cause he's like, whatever his family comes. And then the, his dad comes and he's all like, Oh, you can live with me now. Like you did your job. And he's like, well, I don't want, like, I don't, I actually don't know if that's what I want. Like I actually ended up liking this more than I wanted. And then to teach her and the Klaus get mad. And it's like, you did literally the exact same thing. The teacher lady literally did the exact same thing. She showed up there. She was like, oh, I don't want to be here. I'm going to get out of here. And then had the kids forced upon her, literally started teaching the kids, quote, to, if I start teaching you, will you leave? Start te- and then being like, oh, actually, this is really nice teaching these kids. This is great. I'm going to stay here now. So... Main character, it's the same my, thing. He did literally the same, and now we're gonna shame my, him. My rebuttal to that is that the one difference <laughs> is that she was honest about it at every step of the way. He he I wasn't. He he never ever hinted at I don't want to be here, and I'm trying to get a, a certain number of letters. So with the sole purpose of so that I can get out of here. Yeah, but it's like once that became uncovered, it's like. That's what everybody else was doing. Who cares? Well, I think... R- really? This is what you're going to get hung up on? I think I on? would feel betrayed by that if I had been honest with someone every step of the way and they were hiding that from me, though. But he didn't... He hadn't even thought... He he hadn't even con- been confronted with it yet. She had made the decision because she made the decision when she was like, oh, I'm going to sell all my money to, like, leave. And then he she tells him that and he's like, oh, I haven't even thought about this. I've actually really enjoyed this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he, he just was a little, he was a step behind the process. I don't know. I mean, I understand, sure, he didn't disclose all that to him, but that's not, he also, one, he, doesn't he know her. He had the opportunity He met to, her twice. Though. Klaus. He met her twice. Klaus, his relationship with Klaus is Klaus different. Because Klaus asked him but straight Klaus, up. Klaus was like, what's in it for you? There was that one scene where uh, Jesper's like, everybody's doing things for themselves. Everybody has a, a motivation. So he was being honest. No, he wasn't. Because then when Klaus said, so what's your motivation? Like, what are you in it for? He didn't disclose. He he dodged the question, but he made it clear that he has his own goals and his own... That's the reason he brought I it mean, up. He, he brought that up to make that clear to Klaus that he was like, yeah, like, you know, we're just doing this. We're all trying to do our own thing. And Klaus is like, okay, what is it that you're trying to do? And he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you because he doesn't know that person. <laughs> I, but at some point, he started to know that person. At some point, he started to care about that person. At some point, that person started disclosing all this yeah, stuff to him. Yeah, and so he didn't... So he started, he did, he was like, oh, I don't, and then he was like, he learned all that information, and then when confronted with the chance to leave, 
He was like, oh, actually, I don't know. Not about really. This. He basically but was like, all, okay, I'm coming. No, he didn't agree. They all bailed on him. They told him, they're like, get out of here. We don't like you. So he was like, well, I didn't even make, they didn't even well, let he, him make a choice. But he could have said, they didn't even let him. He could him, have literally been like, dad, I don't want to come with you. And I'm not coming with you. I'm staying here. I believe in this. Like he could have done that. He, <laughs> he didn't. didn't even get, he didn't, he didn't get a chance to speak. They all just, they were all just, they all made the decision for him. And he was like, wait. And then everyone went there. Said, wait. And he was like, wait, I didn't even, what happened here? What, what just happened? I, I hate, I just thought that it was. And sure, fine, yeah. If you want to nitpick, if you want to v- everything to be so clear-cut and morality to be this black-and-white thing, then sure, yeah, I guess he didn't do the same thing they did. W- again, with these random strangers that he's just started to befriend, he's not divulging his deepest, darkest secrets But eventually secrets they them. weren't random strangers anymore. There came a point in yeah, this where... This all happened over the course of, like, a week. It, it doesn't matter how much you hang out with wait, someone for a week and a half. it was a week? It was not that long. I feel like it was more than a week. Because his dad sent him away. His dad sent him away and said that he had a year. And and then when his dad comes, he says, I still have a couple days. He only, so the dad only comes because the town's leaders send him a message, send him a message to be like, this is what he's, he's done this crazy stuff. So his dad thinks that he doesn't need to prove anymore. Klaus wants to stay. He says, I have a, I have a couple days because he wants to follow through on the Christmas thing. He yeah, was like, I'm at me, least that, gonna that follow through the, with to this. Me, that was also the way of telling us that he'd been there for almost a year. No, he hadn't he hadn't been there. I think he had been. Yeah, I, I don't think he had been. I really think so. I really think that that's why There's no there's no time lapse. There's no like there's no, there's no like significant like they the seasons change or like that's because no, they live in a place that's always he, cold. Then make it more salient to us as viewers. Whatever point, a bigger point that this movie is confusing and follows no coherent structure, has no way to ground yourself in time passing and what's going on. How are these people handling these things? How are things actually change? Like it just goes all on right on by and just skips to the thing and you're, it just doesn't make I any sense firmly, and you're just like what i firmly believe i just want to make i want this to be clear on the record i firmly believe that he was there for almost a year okay then the movie should have been clearer i think it that. was because two clear. different people are walking away with two very interpretive what what evidence do you have to suggest that it was the clear? fact that he starts out so small right like it's one kid and then it starts building up like they show multiple times where kids are like lining up to give letters and at first it's like a couple and then it expands and then it expands and then we have the little girl come from way far away presumably like she comes from a, a distant town like i know be, they're right there because he goes to them later he goes with her to them. They're nearby. Well, not somehow. necessarily. They may not be nearby him. He he and Sam, he and Klaus knew at that point Again, that they were going to be delivering a toy they, to her. So you mean to make me? So your argument is based on the fact that a little three year old girl somehow made a journey. No, all my by argument is based on the fact. So I'm I'm using these other examples, but my from a far away my distance. structured like my most significant argument is that the dad shows up and Klaus says, "I still have a couple days." Because he wants to follow through on the no, Christmas no, thing. no. Because he yes, cares about what's you're going right. on. Yes, that's why he says that. But the reason, but the fact that he says I still have a couple days means that he still has a couple days to the one year deadline. Or he has a couple more days because 
one thing is he his dad says you've delivered how many thousands of mail and it's like he knows that he hasn't even hit the mark that he set for himself to leave and so he thought that the christmas thing he wanted to stay through the christmas thing because i think he had an emotional attachment to it but then there was the logistical side to it where he knows he had a hard concrete point where he was like if I hit this mark, I'll be able to leave. And he had exactly. Hit that That's exactly what I'm saying. So he's saying that I still have a couple that days to meet that, that mark. Time, that was amount of letters sent. That has nothing. To yes, do but time. he said he had a year to get six thousand letters, and he's saying I still have I didn't a couple. Understand? Okay, I guess I didn't under. I never interpreted the six thousand letters as you have a year to send six thousand letters. I interpreted it as. He needed to send 6,000 letters to get out of there as fast I'm as pretty possible. sure that in the, in the opening sequence, when he's still at like postmaster school or whatever, his dad says, you have one year to do this. I think he sends, I'm going to send you there for a year. But I don't think there's any like challenge appropriate. There is, because he him. says, if you don't get it, you're going to be disowned. He says if you don't, he, no, he says that if you come back before the year is over, that you will be disowned. I took that all to mean that he had to get 6,000 letters too. No, the 6,000 was, he was like, because he, you have the scene and he's like, I'm here, I'm stuck here. What am I going to do? And he's like, well, I can't leave because I'll be disowned. He was like, oh, I could just save up enough money so that when I left, it would be fine. And he came up with the 6,000 number. I don't think so. I, that was how I interpreted it. Again, I think. Sure, I guess that's fine. But then this is all very confusing and too complicated for a children's film. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't. Uh, the children aren't thinking about it in the way that we're thinking about it right now. They're just enjoying it. They're not. They aren't thinking you, through like to make these moral message messages salient to children. You've got to make clear, defined. At the end of the day, I don't think it, it parameters in which. You can operate within these things. That guy actually didn't do anything wrong. And so the fact that we're teaching kids that he supposedly did, it, that's kind of weird. I think at the end of the day, I don't think that that was supposed to be like the main takeaway, though, because it really ended up being not that big of a deal. Like, essentially, that's the whole, that's the whole, like, that's the drama. That's where the drama of the movie comes from. Is that, is that dynamic? Does he care or not? And it's like, he had to learn to care. And they didn't give him the opportunity to learn to care. I think they gave him and plenty so, of opportunities. I, I don't yeah, think what he, he did took is them. that bad. For, I don't think what he did is was that bad. It's not like I think he did this egregious moral wrongdoing. Like, but I think he wasn't a hundred percent honest. I think they caught him in his dishonesty. They felt betrayed by it, and in that moment, they were like, "Well, screw you, dude! Like, you didn't tell us that you were only here trying to get away from us. Like, you made us buy into this whole we're doing this for the kids." And like, I think they felt appropriately betrayed by him, but they appropriately but, forgave him very fair, quickly because it wasn't that big of a deal. Again, though, to be fair, both of the two main characters that he's dealing with also had their own goals when they initially started this whole task. Now, those changed over time, but that's not necess- That's not indicative of anything. They shouldn't have that expectation of him, too. They were all in it. It was all very clear that they were all doing this and that it was a weird thing that they were doing. Klaus was just trying to get rid of all the toys because he didn't want the memories around. Postman's just trying to leave. A gr- teacher girl's just trying to leave and she's trying to like get through whatever but the heck was going on. both of them have a clear point at which that becomes a turn of events where they're no longer doing it that for that reason and it becomes clear to everybody that they're no longer doing it for that reason. Because they're faced, right? This is, this is the mechanisms of storytelling. They're faced, right? Like she's like, well, if I really want to teach these kids well, I'm going to have to start using my own money, which is weird and 
bad and I guess there's no state funding here and this is why we fund teachers. This is the most <laughs> moral story of the movie for me. But um, so we see her decide to spend her savings on teaching classroom. With Klaus, he's like, I'm running out of toys. But this has now changed from me trying to get rid of memories to creating new memories for these kids. So I'm going to start making more toys. Our postman character hadn't had his moment of decision making yet. He hadn't been confronted yet with the challenge of, oh, do I actually care about this or am I still in this for me? The moment that that happens for him, everyone else backs off of him. And he never did that to them when they were faced with those same decisions. And so it seems weird to me that they didn't give him the opportunity to decide what he was going to do. They just decided that he was a bad guy now. I think it was not necessarily that they were deciding he was a bad guy, which is why they forgave him so quickly. I think they were hurt by the fact that he was keeping something pretty significant from them, which is that he never really wanted to do this. He never really wanted to be involved in this project. Like, which again, isn't wrong. Even if he was just doing it for himself, that doesn't mean it's wrong. But I think they felt betrayed by it because at a certain point, she was in a relationship with him, we're led to believe. Now, whether or not we think that they built that up appropriately is a different story. That makes no sense. But they were presumably in a relationship. He had a friendship with Klaus. Klaus directly asked him, what are you in this for? He didn't tell him. Like, I think there's just a lot of missed opportunities on Jesper's part. I don't think he's a bad guy, and I don't think the message was supposed to be that he's a bad guy. I think the message was supposed to be that he got caught up and he didn't fully explain himself, and people got hurt by that. Whether they had a right to just like be like, get away from us, maybe not. Maybe they overreacted, but I think they were Again, hurt. I understand I understand feelings being you would naturally be sad in that moment. You'd be like, Oh you because it would be the reminder. You'd be like, Oh, that's right. We all started this. And so maybe he never got to the place that we did. That's weird. Never thought about that before. I understand the sort of melancholy associated with that reveal. But the like we're canceling you. We're walking away from you. Go do your own thing, dude. You suck. That is totally uncalled for. <laughs> I think that's what people would do. And that's like, that's what hurt people do though. Yeah. Hurt people lash out and, and they say, get away from me. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. And then they I, come around. Sure. That's fine. But this is a children's movie. This is an exploration of human emotions and like psycho. Like, yeah, but you can't say catharsis. But earlier on, though, you said that it wasn't grounded enough and that this isn't what people would really do. And now I'm saying this is what people would really do. And you're like, oh, that doesn't matter. Well, it, it matters. So again, it's not what people, it's not what people would really do in real life. It's what people would do in the context of this particular story. What makes sense in the story? How did this story logically and in terms of how you feel, the logical leaps that it makes that you go through, how do these characters interact with each other? Does that feel natural given the parameters and the context that we're operating within the story? And that's where this movie falls apart. Sure, yeah, whatever. But again, all of this, not having a clear like understanding of the relationship between he and the teacher, not having a clear understanding of the time that passes by, how much time he spends with Klaus, like all of that. All of the fact, the fact that all of that is unclear and ambiguous and that you can take different interpretations from it means that when eventually you get to the point that you make the, you have the moral drama come up, it makes it make a lot less sense logically within the, 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 the flow of the story. And all I'm left with is all of this has been confusing. Why are they even mad at him? <laughs> you know? And it's like, sure. In a moment like that in real life, would people behave like that? Yeah, they, they would. 
But in the context of the story, how things have been progressing in the story, how they've responded to things in the story, what's happened, what's been disclosed, what's not, what we've seen, because again, the other thing is that the perspective of this movie is, it's from Klaus's point of view, um, so that's all you kind of have, but we don't get enough of just his point of view to like really, again, understand the dynamics of these relationships that are going on. And based on the information that we have, it is weird that they just totally abandoned him like that. Again, within the logical flow progress of the story. In terms of the plot beats of like, oh, we have to have the dramatic separation so that they can come back together so that the movie can end on like a resolution. That is why they made that decision, but that doesn't actually make sense given how they structured everything else up until. Well, that I guess, and I, I, I guess. So I will say, I will say this. I've been push, I've been debating with you and pushing you, but I did, I did also have the thought of like this. This doesn't feel like a super compelling reason to be angry with him. But my my way of like kind of making sense of that is that that's that is essentially what happens in most like rom coms in most kind of animated movies where it's like, why didn't you just do this? Like if you had just said this or if you had just done this, this whole thing would have been solved. Like I think this happens in literature too, right? Like in Harry Potter, there'll be times where you're like, why didn't you just do this? And if you had just done that, then this entire trajectory of the story could have been different. Yeah, I agree with you, but it was not made clear that that was something that was necessitated in this particular story. No, but I'm what I'm saying is that when when that kind of thing ends up happening, so when you wind up in a situation like you wind up in that moment where they're overreacting and they're saying we don't want anything to do with you kind of thing. I guess like I feel like I've seen that before in so many movies that there was no reason for for me to let that be the thing that destroyed this movie for me when that's like that's a common trope that like this thing ends up happening that doesn't really, it's not really that big of a deal. Why are we making it such a big deal? But then I, but then yeah. I come back, I, as I hear myself say that, I come back to that is what life is. Like, that is exactly what life is, is regularly people making big deal out of things that really didn't have to be and could have probably been solved if they had addressed them earlier in the process. Yeah, so I have two things to push back on this. One is, I agree with you, that is a trope. That is why I'm actually much more critical of this decision because they make they they set up this because they wanted to have that trope. They wanted to have that moment. They wanted to have that the main character loses the side characters and they're gonna keep doing the task without him unless he's able to redeem himself. They wanted that. They didn't give a compelling argument based upon the parameters, the logic, the flow, everything else. Pre- that again, that's why I think it feels off. I'm like, I know why you did this. I know exactly why you did this. I know exactly what you're going for. The mechanism that you did to achieve that doesn't make any sense, though. And and I there was a much more... I think that there's a way to do that. But... And actually, even with that particular dynamic, it just needed to be more... It needed to be more aggressive. He need, needed to decide to leave. He needed to... I don't know what it was. Like, it would have made a lot more sense if he would have been like, uh, well, actually, guys, this has been nice, but I am going to go. And then as he was leaving, being like, you know, okay, I changed my mind. Like, I'm going to go back. Actually, that would have worked a lot better it made a lot more sense and would have justified everything and this movie would have just but then it would have felt weird but then it would have felt weird if they were having him build towards wanting to stay because there was that ambiguity that was building in him like you saw that happening throughout the movie of like he started to like it there and started to question whether he actually did want to leave exactly 
But then the challenge would be, that's why he would end up actually not leaving. He would be like, well, he, and he would impulsively make the decision to go because he thinks that's what he still wants to do. But then he'd be in the car and they would have some flashbacks about all the good that's times. That's just as much like, of a trope. Uh, yeah, but it's much more, it fits the, it just makes more sense than what they did. But it's, though. but it's it is a equally trope. bad that's in terms of. That's the trope. It's not, it's, it, but that's the, it's not bad or good. It's the trope, but does it fit logically within the parameters of everything that's going on? You know, like you can't, when you do a trope, you don't get to just get away with it because it's a trope. Like it has to make sense. It has to have reason or rationale behind it. Otherwise you're just doing a trope for the sake of doing a trope. And that is lazy. Well, I, but that's where we, di- that's where we disagree is that I don't think that that's what happened there. I think that essentially what, like one thing that could have, that Jesper could have did to fix the whole thing is when they are walking away from him, when they're sa- like, when they're saying like, okay, I guess you were just in this for yourself. Like, this is a disappointment. Goodbye. We don't need you in that moment. Instead of trying to explain his actions, like instead of him trying to be like, well guys, like this is why. And my dad, this, and he falls into that trap. And instead what he should have done was just been like, I want to stay. I'm staying. Yeah, but then like, they don't they don't revisit it either. I, I agree with you, but then you have to you have to come back to it. Either make the decision completely autonomous on him or have a moment where he realizes, "Oh, I didn't necessarily communicate my feelings enough." It just, he they he does because he comes back. That's the that's that decision point. Is that he comes back because he gets he leaves with his dad. They see him leave and they assume because they leave him, and so he's like, "Well, I guess I'm." Gonna I don't think that's the way they're they interpreting me. that, though. They're interpreting that as we caught you in this, and you didn't say, "I want to stay." You didn't say, "Hey, guys, I want to stay." You said, oh, "Guys, this is why I did this," and oh yeah, and my dad, and and he started going down like the excuse rabbit hole instead of just being like. Hey, you know what? Actually, yeah, that is how it started out. But I want to stay now. I love it here. I'm staying with you guys. Let's do this. Let's deliver these Christmas crap packages. Screw you, Dad. Bye. Like he literally says at one point, "Oh, like back home to my, like my butlers and my easy yeah, life." Because he hadn't been confronted with the. He had been he have some emotion, but th- no, he had no ability to go back yet. He hadn't reached the point where his ability. He had to turn down going back again. Everybody else had. He had it. But he was faced with it right there. So then, so then. Yeah, and then they all left him. So he was like, well, they don't. But don't you think that if he would have said in that moment, if he would have said, guys, I want to stay, they would have been like, oh. They didn't, they didn't let him say. He had to sort through, his, his dad just showed up. He was like, I don't know what's going on. He was sorting through his feelings and they didn't have time for that apparently. And that's weird because he gave them well, that to be time. Fair, they really didn't have time for that because it was Christmas Eve and they had a lot to do. <laughs> so they did kind of have to. I'm done. I'm done talking about this. It's again, though, they had they had time to sit five minutes with him and for him to be like, uh, I mean, I'm saying, but this is this is why I'm caught off guard. Sorry. If he couldn't answer that right in that moment, then. He he didn't need five minutes. Then he needed the 30 minutes that he had getting in the car with his dad and thinking about it and getting on the boat and then being like, I'm staying. Like, I don't think the five minutes would have done him any good if, if he wasn't ready to make the decision at the point it was happening. He was. I mean, I don't know. Okay, to, I don't know what if he was ready to make a decision, but he never got he was never given the ability to make a decision. 
He was. Still. They took that away no, from him. Like they, no. they were at that point. They were the ones that were betrayed. It wasn't on them to be like, "Hey, where are you at with this right now?" Like that wasn't on them. It was on him to be assertive and say, "Hey, guys, I know that this is probably hurtful to you. Let me let me tell you that I want to stay." Like he should have gone after them. Like they didn't have any obligation to to be like. He did in the end. He did exactly. All right. What else did you not like besides this? Whatever. I I I think it's all hosh posh, and that's fine. Uh, it's whatever. So I, I don't even know what else I don't like about this movie. Um, <laughs> that's the main thing. Now I don't like. Um, so again, a lot of these things, a lot of these tropes, come back down to things, and then again, they don't make sense when they do them. Again, I understand movies that are tropey. I actually like movies that are tropey. I especially like movies that do a trope and are aware that they're doing a trope and, and have something to say about it. Now, this isn't that movie. This is a movie that is just doing tropes because it's trying to be a certain kind of movie, and that's cool and that's fine. But when you do these things, you have to have rationale behind them. The next big thing is the relationship with the teacher. That doesn't make any... There's no... There's nothing there. We don't spend that much time with them. There's no, like... It doesn't add enough to... I guess it adds to, like, the kids and, and, well, her teaching adds to the kids, but that is separate from the relationship and them having a relationship has no impact on anything else. It's actually rather unimportant. So it's like they just want to have a relationship because that's what happens. Oh, he meets the girl that's, like, in control and is doing her own thing and eventually they're going to fall in love. Like, it's like as soon as he meets her, you're like, I know where this is going. That stuff. And it's like, uh, I don't like that. I don't like... um the foreigner girl, that's all weird. and doesn't. It's just like, who are those people? What are they doing? It just is, I don't know. Why don't... And then it's like, then they... The thing that is most egregious about it to me is that they're in Klaus's home. Again, they've known him for not that long. And they just start filling up... Klaus has this family mural carved on the wall that he uses to remember his family that never came to fruition and they just start making themselves little figures and sticking because they're saying they're his family they don't know this person he doesn't know them why are they touching his dead family's mirror (sighs) again i understand again the imagery i understand what the imagery is i understand what you're doing but it has to make sense you can't just do things because you're like we can just do this because this is what you can do in these kinds of movies. It's like, no, there's still rules to play by. There's still, there's still context. Like, that is an important thing that you have to follow for this movie to make any sense or for me to care or pretend like any of this matters. I loved both of those <laughs> things. I loved the little girl that uh, came from another land, and I liked how they, like, had a relationship even though they couldn't understand course, each other, and it was so cute. And I liked the that they became his family. Land. He's also weirdly grooming towards this little girl. He doesn't know her. He's just picking her up. He's just like letting her sleep outside of his house. This is weird. This is a weird relationship she has with an adult man. That never (laughs) crossed my mind. Ever. I thought about it. And then, yeah, and then I thought about it when she was like older and he tells her that like Klaus is dead. And it's like, so you've just been hanging out with this little girl this whole time? Are you going to just keep hanging out with her until like, what's going on here? Weird. weird i think thing. she saw him as like an <laughs> uncle type kind of figure that's probably what's going on but again con there's no there context is context like you could interpret this to whatever you want it to be it's 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 no. uh 
And, and, okay. And then we, we have the whole death thing and, and that itself is weird. And again, I, this movie's at its best when I liked the mythos. I like the idea of, of like, we're creating the Santa Claus mythos. Like, this is how it started. But then for the movie to kind of like undermine that with like these weird parts that were sort of supernatural, like, that was weird to me. And I didn't like that. I was like, oh, no, just keep this what it is. Because when you do these other things, like the toys being weird, him having like a weird magical, it's like, well, I don't understand. And then it leads to other questions. It's like, okay, he's dead now, but does that mean that now there's no more toys? Did he make enough toys that when he died that there'll just be enough toys forever? Like, what's going on? You can't, it just, there's just lots of loopholes here that just didn't seem to care because they were just doing, they're just doing the tropes because this is a Christmas movie and this is what you do in these Christmas movies. And it's like, no, you can't just keep doing these things. These have to mean something. This has to go somewhere. This has to be part of something. Uh, Anyways, uh, and then uh, pacing issues. Oh, the biggest thing. Here's another big one is the pop song in the middle of this movie. What is this? Why is there a song in the middle of this movie? I don't understand. It made no sense. The song itself didn't make sense. It came out a weird time. It just kept going. That's like a five minute sequence. And I'm like, why is the song just playing? I don't even like song wasn't even good it was annoying i just uh i just there i don't know so there are things that i didn't like jesse that's all i think all you i think that's you actually really hated this movie i don't think you even liked it a little i did like this movie i did i liked i liked parts of it what did you like like i like let's switch okay, to that so let's go into what i like so i loved the animation i thought Which, it was by really the way cool. i thought it was i unique. found a sweet article i don't know if you noticed i was looking at my phone yeah. before I found this really sweet article about um, the animation of the movie. So this is from taken from insider.com. And it says the, the article title is how Netflix's Oscar nominated Klaus made 2D animation look 3D. And they have a video of mm-hmm. this, but obviously I'm not going to watch the video. And then they give a transcript of what the narrator is saying during the video. So I'm reading from the transcript. Yeah. It says, when the animation process for Netflix's Klaus began, it looked something like this. And this they have the picture. It eventually started looking like a pretty impressive 2D film. But then the animators went one step further to create a film that looked like this. And they show you the picture. Suddenly, the characters looked three-dimensional. But unlike most animated movies these days, the characters in Klaus aren't CGI and can't even be considered 3D. It's all just a trick of the light. About 300 people, including 40 animators, worked on the movie Klaus, which took over two years to make. And it was completed under the wire just one month before it premiered on Netflix. So why did it take so many people and so much time? To understand, we have to go back to 2010, long before Klaus was nominated for an Academy Award, to when director Sergio Pablos came up with the idea. Because his story was about the origin of Santa Claus, it appealed to nostalgia, and he thought a nostalgic 2D animation style like we saw in the 90s Disney films would be a better fit for the story. But he also wanted to advance the look, so his team at SPA Studios in Madrid added a few new crucial steps to the animation process. First, they storyboarded the script and made a cut using temporary voices for the characters. They swapped these out later once the real cast was recorded. The next step was layout, where the team designed backgrounds and figured out the placement of the cameras. Animating the characters and coloring the backgrounds happened simultaneously. The end goal was to have both blend together seamlessly and look like they're part of the same world. The characters were all hand-drawn using digital tablets and a program called Harmony by Toon Boom. 
The animators used live action reference videos of themselves as a guide. The initial sketches were very rough, as you can see here, but there was a cleanup stage in which artists refined the drawings with crisp, bold lines. Then they painted the characters with basic flat colors. Here, everything still looks very 2D, but they will soon bring the characters to life with a very important addition, usually reserved for 3D animation. Lighting. And then they go into all the details about the lighting. So hopefully mm. that's a good little back, a little tidbit. I won't read the whole thing, but about yeah. kind of where it started and kind of how they did it. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of stuff. I mean, that's super cool. I didn't. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's really impressive though. That thing is entirely. I'll send. Handful. I'll send it I to you. Was, uh, since this yeah. seems like a something that would be very up your alley, you probably will understand this way more than I understand any of this. Yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? You're, you're able to 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 trick your eye into thinking if you have shadows and stuff that there's there's a lot more than going on. They they're doing the same thing with um with video games with uh, people that they're tossing this term around ray tracing is the idea. It's like it makes it feel like you're adding more depth and stuff because of lighting and shadows and reflections. Um, and then that way it makes it yeah it makes it seem like there's depth. It makes it seem like they're um, is like interactions uh again like you see like a good instance it's like a window far off and if you can see the characters walking in the foreground but in the background there's a window and it, if the lighting's a certain way um and there and you see the shadows right your eye is just going to self-correct itself to perceive that that is like a three-dimensional that there's you know depth going on even if it's a 2d image so that's super yeah. cool um i imagine that, that that's I- some stuff that they're pulling I sent you I sent you the article so you can read it in your in your own time but (laughs) I'm like I said I'm sure you'll be able to understand way more of the jargon in that article than I can yeah that's awesome yeah so I mean I thought it I mean again I thought it looked super cool I was very I was kind of like you I I wasn't off put by it but I I had a hard time kind of understanding it at first and then I was like well I think it's 2D and I kind of picked up it's 2D 3D I didn't know if it was a blend or a mimic or I I wasn't sure what was going on but I was like well it looks really cool whatever it is and and I thought that it was good and I actually I I really liked the in general not just the animation style itself but the art direction itself I liked the way the characters looked I liked the way the town looked I liked like I thought it was all very visually appealing and very like super cool I liked the very distinct like the two different parts of the town, the two different families in the town, like those families had very specific character, like uh, age, like characteristics and styles and tones. And I thought that that all was really, really cool. Um, and I liked like, even like, uh, I mean, I liked like they're, then they're coming, he's coming into town that first on uh, the beginning of the movie. And you see like the giant whale skeleton hanging. Like I just liked all of that kind of stuff. I thought that that was all really fun and added a cool, like, just like atmosphere and aesthetic to the whole movie. And again, aesthetically, I thought that this movie was awesome. Um, and I thought it, and I thought it was really cool. I liked, um, so I liked all of that stuff. Um, and I really liked, um, and the, the biggest thing that I liked is I really did like Jasper and Klaus's relationship. I, li- I liked that. I liked that. That was, this was the crux of the movie. They, it was a little weird that they kind of touched on it, but then they didn't. I, I thought that what was going to be kind of a point of contention and then it never really materialized was that, you know, the myth of Santa was getting created, but it was like Jasper was the one doing all the work. So it was like that. And I, so your idea of like, oh, then there's Jasper, the one that carries it on. And I, I would have liked to explore that a little more. I would have liked that. But I, I 
I liked that they kind of got around it. I thought it was really neat because then they just show him a couple of times rather than like turning it down or getting jealous. Like he plays into it uh, and you're like, OK, he's in on the gimmick. And so that that's cool. That's where we're at with this. Um, so I really liked that. And I thought that that was really funny. And again, that was those were the moments that I thought was um, that's where the movie excelled. I thought them going off their first couple of time, the the whole kind of. Like you said, I agree. I think this movie is like a, it's a it's rather than a traditional three act structure, a four act structure. I thought the the middle two acts um, had the best moments in it, um, right? Us of us, like them, like doing like meeting each other, sending the toys out initially, um, like figuring out what they were going to do, how they're going to do it, like establishing the relationship. All of that was I thought were the movie shown, and I thought it was actually pretty funny. Um, there was a lot of really funny lines in there. Um, and, oh, the other thing I really liked is I, I liked the whole idea of the warring families. And I liked I, the, my favorite scene in the whole movie was when the kid was like, but why? And then the kid's like, Go, and then the both parents are like, going back thousands <laughs> of generations, we've always hated each other. And they never give a why. They're just like, we've always hated each other. And the kid's just like, oh, I, there's, I can't keep asking questions anymore. And it's like, I thought that was really funny and really cute. And, 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 I, and, I, really, and, I, and I really liked that. So I, I liked all of that stuff. Um, I thought it was weird. At first, I didn't get it. It rubbed me off the wrong way. I was like, are these like families like committing like mass genocide like every like minute? It's like the very first scene where you see them fight, like you like literally like, bodies are falling from the sky, like getting stabbed and stuff. And you're like, oh no, like, this is wild. But about, once you kind of settle into it, I think I, I found the humor to it, um, and I really liked it. So those are the things that I really liked, um, and, and I liked I really liked the structure. Uh, I got kind of like the skeleton of everything that was here. And I like the presentation of all of it. I just wish that some of the story beats would have, would have at least to me, felt more internally consistent. Because um, I think there, there was a lot there that I, that I really liked and that I could have I walked away you know, from really enjoying. Um, and I think it's an excellent... I, I do think it's an excellent movie for kids. Um, I think that kids would be very entertained by this. Um, and so on that aspect, uh, good job, Netflix. The, you nailed it, so... Um, I don't know. Yeah. What, about you? what did you? Like, I mean, Jessie? I think I can be pretty quick about this, just because pretty much if I didn't yeah. say it was something I didn't like, I liked it. <laughs> I, I think overall, my favorite thing is um, it tugged at all the right emotional heartstrings for me. As far as like in that article I just read, like it was very there was a lot of nostalgia to it. I really liked. I thought it was very creative. It was like nothing. I not not only the animation, but just the story itself was something I had never really. I've never really seen a story yeah. like that. Thought that was very unique. I love, yeah, and I love just. I thought it was a very unique. I mean, how many movies have you seen that's like this is the mythos of Santa Claus, or this is a movie about Santa Claus, and it's like they all kind of hit the same beats. They all, and it's like this was a very different take on all of that, and I really enjoyed that. I thought it was very refreshing, yeah. um, and so I really like. Yeah, that so I I thought it was very creative, very unique. Um, I, I, like I said, I thought it was heartwarming. It, it tugged at a lot of emotional heartstrings for me. Not so much the, um, I, I mean, I agree with you that I didn't think the biggest emotional beat was really Jesper. Like that really wasn't, I didn't really care that much about the fact that they were mad at him. I knew that was going to resolve. I was like, okay, they're going to be mad and it's going to resolve. Like it was very clear that that was going to happen, but the rest of the emotional stuff, like with the kids and just like how, like that first kid who gets the toy and just the joy that it brings him. Like, I really liked that. I, yeah. I really liked the transformation that you see in the town over time. Like it, it they build that nicely. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen too quickly. It's kind of like 
slowly but surely you see the kids changing this town, like their interactions with each other Mm -hmm. and their joy and happiness is influencing their parents. And, um, I, I like that a lot. Um, I thought that that was just really sweet. I, I, contrary to you, I, I really liked the, the, um, the little girl who was from wherever, like who spoke a different language. I thought it was so cute when they gave her that little, like the little sled and she was like, gliding around on the sled. I, I like got really emotional during that part. I thought it was so sweet and so cute and just like, I don't know, just tugged out all the right places for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I liked the relationship that, that she had with him. I know you said you thought it was kind of creepy. I thought it was really cute mm-hmm. that he was like talking like that. He was kind of at first, like, I can't understand you. Like I, we can't understand each other. Like, please leave me alone. And then they, kind of started to he started to look out for her and like cared that she got a toy that made her happy and um brought like they I I I liked that they all kind of became in on the the whole Christmas myth as well like that they all came to live with Klaus and like essentially were the equivalent of elves right like that's what they were trying to indicate is that these these individuals came to help and that they were um they believed in this this thing that they had going on in this town and I think that was cool because it, it like exemplified coming together it exemplified like these people that don't live in this town now want to come to this town that was once like disgusting but it has something now it has something to offer and it has unity and uh, something that people can get behind and care about so I, I really liked it I thought it was yeah. um, very very cute and I, I agree with what you said it was very funny I laughed a lot during this movie um, and so mm-hmm. Overall, I just really, really enjoyed it. I will definitely watch, be yeah. watching it again. <laughs> I will definitely be recommending it to people. Like I really <laughs> liked it. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 that's the other. I definitely would would probably recommend it, especially to families. I, I definitely would say definitely worth your time. Definitely very interesting. Again, I think kids will will really gravitate toward it. Um, and I do think. I mean, I I really do. The art style alone, the animation alone, I think makes it worth at least checking out um because it's cool i've never seen a movie that looks never. like that um and and it, it, there's a lot of familiarity with some of the stuff like i kind of said there's some like influence you can tell you can tell that they were going for that early 2000s 1990s yep. bright cartoon kind of vibe but um you can also tell that there's a little like pixar influence and i think other other movies um uh you know kind of you know their influence on it too um i, I kind of think of like spider-man into the spider-verse there's a little like the 3d that's not quite so 3d kind of vibey and it's like i can tell that you know you can tell where the influences come from but it comes together to make something that you know you haven't seen before and that's definitely cool and definitely Mm -hmm. worth your time so Mm -hmm. i will say that regardless of whether or not i think the moral compass of this movie makes any sense (laughs) and i just want to make sure that i'm not coming across as thinking that there's a moral compass I, i i don't think that's what this movie was going for no i don't think so either i just think that that moment really that was the moment where i for me the reason i think i'm kind of fixated on it is that i i like i said earlier i was going back and forth with this movie of really of really enjoying it getting caught up in it having weird things that kind of sucked me out i was like weird the song thing was weird i was like is that the song where she was sliding around on the sled i loved it i loved it so much i loved everything about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't just put it the same thing with Jingle Jangle. You can't just put a pop song in the middle of a movie and think that that. Means but it worked anything. for me. It got me. It got me feeling emotional when she was gliding well, like, around on the sled. I just I couldn't take it. I liked that. I liked the 
the sled, she got a gift, the kid was happy, that's nice, that's emotional, that's, of course that's emotional. But it just is, the song, the song took me out of the moment, actually. I think that I, I think I looked down on that relationship in that moment because this weird corny song they shoved in the middle of this. If it could have just been some ambient, happy, you know, major key music going, orchestral music going on, I think I would have had a better connection to it. It's like, it's kind of like, um, you know, Spirit, the Beyonce song in Lion mm-hmm. King, how it's like, that comes at a very pivotal point in the movie. and like, Or the same with uh, what's her so- uh, Jasmine song in Aladdin. It's like, these are very big, powerful moments, but the song itself, it's so clear that this is a commercial song meant to like sell like, or like be listened to and like get sold to radio stations and like become a thing that I get, I, I lose the moment. I'm like, oh. This is a powerful moment in the movie, but and then you commercialized it. Yeah. <laughs> and that always takes me always takes me out of it a little bit. So I had gone through these moments like that where I'm like getting invested in the movie and then something would just take me out. And I think that that was the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back where I was like, we're at this point in this movie now. I keep going back and forth. There's no way. I, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm just, I'm not, this movie's lost me. This is now... Whatever ends up happening is whatever is going to end up happening. I'm not going to like this movie. And I think that that's why I'm so fixated on it. It's because I did, I did have a big inner battle with me going on, of bouncing back and forth between really liking it and being kind of weirded out. And that was just the thing that I was like, well, if this is what this all came down to, then I guess I didn't like it that much. So <sighs> My heart is broken. So, rant, rant over. I <laughs> put Klaus to rest. Yes. And we'll move on. Yes. Well, hopefully, um, uh, whether you agreed with me or agreed with Andreas, hopefully it was a, a good discussion. Um, and we'd love to hear your take. I mean, send us yeah. your thoughts on on Klaus. Obviously, it's a, been fairly well received. So I'd be curious to hear what, what people that listen to us think about it. And Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Or if there's something we missed that would clarify... This I also will note that I I miss things all the time in movies. And so maybe, yeah, maybe there was a hard limit on how many letters <laughs> he had to send. And so this would all make more sense. Maybe I missed that. And I'm willing to be wrong. It's just what I remember how I interpreted it. Well, so that's, that's the that's way fair. art works, right? <laughs> so we all we all take different things from it. And so that's the excitement of it. And that's why we do this podcast. Exactly. So speaking of, right. let's talk about what's coming up next. So yes. next week, in continuing the spirit of our A Very Netflix Christmas, we will be covering The Princess Switch and the sequel, The Princess Switch, Switched Princess. Again. I have mm. not seen either of them. Andreas, you have seen the first one, but not the sequel? I've seen The Princess Switched. I've not seen Switched Again. Oh, it's The Princess Switched? Uh. The Princess Switch? The Princess Switch. I don't know. It doesn't I don't really know either. Now I'm like, oh no, did I say it wrong? I don't know. It's I will look it up when I like upload the episode <laughs> in the description. So <laughs> It'll we'll be know. right in the description. Uh, but what we said, we're not sure. It'll be right in the description. Switch, switched. Doesn't really matter. The princess does switch. So you could say that they okay, switch. Okay. It's it's the movie uh, that yeah. it's on Netflix. Again, <laughs> these are all Netflix originals that we've been covering. So it's a Netflix original starring Vanessa Hudgens. Um however, I she's in multiple m- Christmas movies on Netflix. So beware. Try to make sure you're watching the right one. <laughs> uh, though I will say, what's the other one? The night yes. before Christmas, the uh, yeah, uh, night yes. with a K. Uh is also a gem. Okay. So if you end up watching that on accident. It's also a great <laughs> okay. movie, so I don't good, know. Good to uh, know. 
Um, good to know. Not a waste of your so time. So that'll be coming out um, next I, week. And mm-hmm. then... Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. Jesse, that I think that it is the Princess Switch. Okay. But then I think it's the Princess Switch switched Switched again. again. Okay, so there is I think it might be... I think it might be past okay. tense in the in the in the the secondary title of the, the okay. sequel. Okay. Okay. It's a little confusing, yes. but it's Well, not. I should also <laughs> say that we are going to probably be primarily focusing on the sequel, but we will talk a little bit about the original one too just cuz I haven't seen that one, so I'll mm-hmm. need to watch it and I'm sure we'll make some comments on it, but we'll we'll mostly focus our discussion yeah. on the sequel since that's the one that that's coming out that came out this year. Yeah. For our longtime listeners, kind of like what we did with Too Fast, Too Furious, where we, I had to watch the first one because I didn't know what was going yes. on. Um, but we're going we're gonna to mostly talk. Yes. And Andreas, for those of you who aren't longtime listeners, in a shocking twist of events, Andreas liked The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, more than I liked Too Fast, Too Furious. So. Uh, um, okay. And then we also wanted to announce what will, what will come out the following week since we talked at the beginning of the yeah. episode about getting some feedback about how you just don't have enough time to watch the movies and send us questions. <laughs> we take that feedback very seriously. So our next episode following, so, so to give you some context, you'll be listening to this episode the week of December 8th, the week of December 15th. Uh, that Tuesday, the 15th, uh, the episode on the princess switch switched again, that's that episode. (laughs) And then on December 22nd, so just those couple days before Christmas, we will release an episode on Dolly Parton's Christmas on the square. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Same. So we thought that that would be a really good one to wrap up our a very Netflix Christmas. And then we'll be taking the last week of December off. So there won't be any mm-hmm. new episode coming out that week. And we'll announce hopefully uh, sometime soon here uh, what our plans are for January and how scheduling is going to be different and things like that. Yeah. So, and again, of course, look out for Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, that will be hitting your ears soon. Yes. Yes. Awesome. So, awesome. Cool stuff. Well, Jesse, uh, I don't have anything else besides remembering to subscribe and rate and review and, uh, uh, you know, follow us on social medias and, and sending us questions. And, and also um, put me maybe considering apologizing to me for making this such a painful experience. I don't know what was worse, how I found out the truth about Santa or knowing that you didn't like this movie. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, Jesse. <laughs> I don't kidding. mean to rain on your parade. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, you know, I, I yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm no, sorry, it's, but I get it. Uh, I, I would like to hope that your dad telling you that Santa didn't exist was the worst <laughs> experience. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, they're, Jesse's they're both dad. up there. They're both up there. Uh, all right. Uh, you could say that this is the worst Christmas gift someone ever gave you. If you're ever posed with that question again, this, like my podcast goes, Hayden Klaus. I don't know. A, I think the sweater my great grandma got me was worse. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, whoa. Rip great grandma. <laughs> uh, she's, she really, whoa. she really is the best. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right, everybody, you take care, stay healthy. Hope you're enjoying the holiday season and we'll be back next week. Sounds good. Bye, everyone. I've been to California where the grass is very brown because all the
the agribusiness took the water from our ground. We tried to rise in protest, but they surely shut us down. Now we go to bed without the fear we'll ever drown. Yes, I've been everywhere. I've seen the valleys and the springs. I've seen the way we treat our animals and other human beings. But what makes me the most sad is what isn't clearly seen. The dark 